So we're into it. Thursday night time machine. Ah. Ah. What's it look like? What's the score? <sighs> Chris, you're leading okay. in a surprising turn of events because you've never I've, led. I've never led this early this, in the season. Or this far. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Except the, I never had a lead the year I won. You're right. It was just Until, Josh Dobbs. Yep, exactly. I hit the fucking the triple banger on Josh Dobbs' exact score. 27-16, I think. Cowboys, t- Titans. I'll never forget. I was, I was, it was in the Bahamas. <laughs> sitting up late, fucking trying to stream the game. Bahamas internet, Eleuthera internet at that. And I was screaming. I woke my whole family up. So here we are. Got a little lead. Cowboy, what, what's it going to be this I week? hate this. I hate this game. We're I hate both on the game. Ravens. Fuck. Both on the Ravens. Chris, Ravens 26, Bengals 20. Oh. Macon, Ravens 23, Bengals 20. Okay. Okay, it's basically a cover. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. NFL Week 11 previews and Sheldon Rankins. That's what we've got in store for you today, along with a pretty fun and wild first 15. To kick things off, we've got a great hello and layup line. Making corrects our pronunciation assumptions. A bunch of names he's going to roll out that we think we know which way to say, but he sets us on the correct path. And then Chris's first 15, we head to the golf simulator. Tiger Woods and Royal McIlroy's simulator league had a mishap this weekend. We talk about the whole league what and what's fun about golf. And then we get into our NFL previews. We break the tiers down by most fun SEC college towns. Y'all let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. I'm sure we rank these towns perfectly and there's no wrong answers that we said. And then to wrap things up and send you into your weekend, we've got Sheldon Rankins. Also check it out on YouTube. Awesome, awesome interview. He talks about his big breakout game he had this past weekend. Talks about talking trash a little bit and how much fun he has wearing those crisp and clean Texans uniforms. Y'all enjoy, and we will catch you on Monday with our live recap show. Cowboy Reed, what's the word? What's going on, man? We got a lot of wild stuff in the uh, in the news sphere right now. Most importantly, is uh, it's game day. Yeah, game it day is. is this weekend. The mm-hmm. uh, bus showed up at the quad. Um, we everything stopped. The production on the set is stopped because there are no lights in Harrisonburg, as we pointed That's out true. with the Steve yeah. show. The quad. They got a quad. Just like just a yes. just a college out of a movie. Yeah. That's right. We're a college out of a movie. We have, um, we have uh, central pretty, casting. Yeah, pretty normal buildings. Um, frisbee golf. Oh yeah, we have frisbee golf. Anyway, uh, the other story that that we were other than JMU, the, other than the JMU, other global story other, other than global. JMU having game day for the third fucking time. Um, yeah, goddamn three. Yeah. Um, we woke up this morning. Travis Kelsey woke up. Um, hopefully he's back stateside. We know he didn't DM Steve back, but he woke up this morning. And he had a bunch of notifications from tweets in 20, 2009, 2010, 2011. Your first thought as you have notifications on those tweets. <gasps> Racism. Exactly. Yeah, probably. But, I'm like, I'm holding my breath here. But boy, did he, kind of has guy. he passed with flying colors. He is tweeting about Taco Bell, squirrels, 
yeah. uh, nap time. He had yeah. a tweet, nap time in all caps with 15 exclamation points. That's a good the tweet. The Swifties are going back into uh, Travis Kelsey's uh, social media profiles to find you know old tweets and find out how good of a guy he is. Boy, is he passing those tests. That's scary. The best of, of guys is Travis Kelsey. That's scary, dude. That's, I mean, like, I mean, we've seen athletes all Fail the time at getting this. caught up, failing Fail. miserably at this thing. I started pulling up my favorite old tweets from athletes. <laughs> Who could forget the Geronimo Allison uh, horny gate? He was in the middle of a game. He was a wide receiver for the uh, Packers a few years ago. And they just started pulling up old tweets and like he couldn't delete them because he's like trying to catch footballs on the field. <laughs> but tweets like this, if I'm hitting you from the back and you got your head in my motherfucking pillows like you trying to go through my damn bed, ho, your pussy ain't shit. <laughs> and then he went, could and then you, he, Could you read that one more time? I'll read the next one, it's kind of the same thing. If you pushing my body out as I'm trying to get in you, ho, your pussy ain't shit. <laughs> I just started Googling my favorite old athlete tweets. This is a good one from Stevie Johnson. War is nothing to be played with. I apologize, North Korea. But if y'all do bomb first, bomb Foxborough, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Sincerely, Bill's Mafia. My favorite all time is Terry Rozier. Osama should have hooped instead of trying to kill people because he tall as hell. He's tall as hell. <laughs> he is tall as hell. Uh, and, then, and then like there's an article with um this these are team accounts J Galliardi gets a penalty for running over quick power play kings Kopitar just got sexually assaulted in front of Niemi <laughs> at the Kevin Ryder and then they deleted it uh I, I really like Reggie Bush's shoot Drogba might even hit a Nazi chick tonight <laughs> yeah. in Germany lol <laughs> he just like let that one fly uh this was uh uh, 2012 when you could I guess say things like that um, and then Kevin Durant saying he, he would drink uh, Scarlett Johansson's bath water this is a good one from Skip Bayless I'm totally against taking American born white players in the first round of the draft <laughs> that's, well, that's not the though. worst take in the world yeah. you see Chet the other day yeah have you guys seen the Minnesota Brazil tweets yes after every game after every win I think Minnesota Brazil tweets out a video of a wolf-like creature devouring or uh, very graphically beating the, the, the creature, the, the other this. team. <laughs> this is twisted shit. <laughs> Jeez. You know, when we were in college, they had those low-budget caveman or mascot. Caveman. Every, coming into every game, it'd be like, we're playing the Yellow Jackets. How's Cavman gonna beat a bunch of fucking bumblebees with his uh -huh. sword? And we'd stand out there on the field and like, what what low budget CGI, CGI are we rolling with? That's like this stuff. Um, last one. Cardell Jones had those. Um, why are we in school to, or why do, why are we here to go to school? We play football. And then he tweeted that um, he corrected someone's score. Someone was like, Cardell Jones beat some kid in the in the cancer hospital 95 to 7 in NCAA 2K or whatever, and he retweeted and said, no, I beat him 105 to 7. <laughs> Which I respect. Just yeah. set, the, set the record straight. Yeah. Ohio State, strength of schedule is not great. <laughs> I scrolled for about three and a half hours on yours. Yeah. I only got to October 1st. 
you uh, you tweeted, let's go with five O's. Yeah, so that's going to be me. It's like yeah. some shit that you don't even understand anyway. So, um, all right, a lot to do today. We got Sheldon Rankins coming on later in the show. Love Sheldon Rankins. Just an absolute hoss out there for the uh, the Houston Texans last week. The guy was just terrorizing that offensive line. Um, and we've got our previews. Laurel, Maryland. Hello. Why? Well, Biz Marquis, rest in peace, lived there for a little while. And then Edith DeVoe was the second black woman admitted to serve in the United States Navy Nurse Corps during World War II. Why is that important? One, self-explanatory. Two, I'm watching Band of Brothers. Oh, Band of Brothers. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, yeah, it's good. I don't know if it's, it's great. There's a lot of war. Yeah. It's really loud yeah. and uh, intense and probably, um, you know, fairly well. Uh, uh, how do you do with fireworks? You know how dogs struggle with fireworks on the 4th of July? <laughs> what do you do on the 4th of July? I, well, on the 4th of July, fireworks are fine. Yeah. Any other day, okay. they yeah. suck. <laughs> but no, I'm okay with fireworks. Yeah. It's got your guy Damian Lewis. I love Damian Lewis. That's why I'm watching it. Damian yeah, Lewis. Hey, Jimmy Fallon makes right. a cameo. Who's Damian Lewis? He's the guy that was with the red hair? He's That's a, right. Brody. Yeah, Brody. Guy can act. Mm-hmm. Ron okay. Livingston from uh, Office Space is yeah. in there. I did community service in Laurel, Maryland, as ordered by the state. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. So since we're going uh, hello, sticking to the uh, core values of this show, faith, family, football. Yep. Anything else? Nope. Layup line. Here it goes. So I'm going to play the music and I'm going to talk over the instrumental. And maybe it's going to take you a minute to realize what song this is, but you guys will remember. So this is a layup line that I was pretty nervous about because like everything nowadays is a political statement. And maybe I don't agree with everything this guy has said or done. But Picasso, for instance, while paving the way for cubism, was also an alleged misogynist. So, um, here's Kid Rock. <laughs> Only God knows why. Now, painting a picture for you. It's 1998, 13-year-old me cranking this bad boy, uh, sneaking some Myers rum that I stole from my parents. Slinging greed. Yeah, because they had no, they, they weren't drinking, and they'd have these parties. And the, the great thing about Myers rum is, like, if you steal some Myers rum, nobody's drinking Myers rum. So... The words really spoke to me mm-hmm. as a preteen. I think there's a lot of truth to this song. Uh, relatable 13, stuff. Huh? Yeah, yep. 15 years old. Okay. Uh, 1998, that's when yeah. this came out. But the fun, only God knows why, man. What could be truer than that? Um, you know, I texted somebody last night, one of my adult friends, uh, to be like, hey, remember this fucking song? Uh, and he texted back, one of my favorites, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So another grown man and I last night, I believe we're spinning only God knows why I spent about 40 minutes playing this song on repeat. I mean, it's Kid Rock, right? It's hard to put this up because of some of the things he's said and done, but this was an absolute banger. And I just wanted to bring this out of the uh, take counterpoint of ba with to ba to bang to bang diggy exactly. diggy. You had 40 minutes to listen to that on repeat and still have had Stapleton's album. Yeah, the Stapleton's album I've been I've been piecing together, but it's kind of how my brain works. Something pops into it, and I got to chase that yep. lead. So I was chasing that lead last night, uh, sitting in the kitchen watching uh, some film, listening to uh, some old Kid Rock from 1998. Hey, 
Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. people making a big deal about the fact that he didn't know where he was. Makes like, sense. just moved to Philly. Yeah. He also just got hit by a car. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, like you know, he just got hit by a fucking to, car. What yeah. do you expect to know the cross street? Right. People out here with conspiracy theories. I saw the ring camera. What is he doing? If he's making it up, what's he doing? Literally carrying th- his bike and saying, ah, just got hit by a car. You think he got beat up on his bike? Yeah. Like, what's the what's the conspiracy theory here? A guy actually managed to hit a six foot seven guy in the middle of the road, and you're you're confused at how he wouldn't know where he got hit by the car. Okay, so I just wanted to say that. Um, I used to live in Philly, as you know, and I used to go out maybe a little stoned at night, and I lived in uh, like next to Center City one year, and I would walk out looking for like dip or something, and I get lost for 40 minutes. I'd just be walking around in circles. I cannot operate Google Maps if I'm walking. Like it's the most confusing thing in the world. So I can tell, you know, like people at home who have not lived in Philly, it is confusing. If I got hit by a car one of those nights, I might not know what if it was Spruce Street or what. I just want to weigh in on that on that topic. Yeah, everybody tried to jump all over him right away. Crazy. Right, like what the fuck? He's got dude. no reason to lie about anything like that. Yeah, man. It's time for the first fifteen. First fifteen. Hut Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Devin A. Chain. Yeah. Okay. He might come back this week. Might not. Eligible to return. This is when he had targeted to uh, targeted comeback. <sighs> this is from an article, okay, that somebody wrote. There has been a change in how to correctly pronounce Miami Dolphins rookie running back Devin A. Chain's name. Following his record-setting four-tud performance in September's win over Denver, A. Chain updated his name pronunciation. It's Devon A. Chan. Earlier player pronunciation guys released by the Dolphins list A. Chain with the chain pronunciation. This has since been updated, and the team's media site now includes a recording of A. Chain pronouncing it with the Chan ending. A. Chan. At Dolphins rookie minicamp this offseason before Monday's update, A. Chan said a reporter was correct when pronouncing it A. Chain. He was also known as such while a standout at Texas A&M before he was drafted in the third round of this year's NFL draft. The topic came up when ESPN's Adam Schefter said on live TV that the correct pronunciation was A. Chan to blow back from the hosts. Within the segment, he retracted the statement after receiving a text from a league source while on air, but then Schefter tweeted moments later that A-Chan informed the Dolphins following the Denver game that he would like his name pronounced A-Chan. The South Florida Sun Sentinel has confirmed the change. All right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to set the record straight on some pronunciations here for you. Twilight Star? Taylor Lautner? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Taylor Lautner. Oh, no way. That's so Raven Star, Raven Simone, Raven C. Munier. No way. Swear. Real life. Swear to God. This is real life. Tell me, Nick, tell me it's Nick Lackey and I've been right all the way. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser rhymes with Razor. Oh, interesting. Okay. Adele in October 2022 claimed her name is Adele. <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious shit. Lindsay Lohan is Lowen. Okay. No Did you know that one? Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Guy's name is Justin Theroux. Yeah. Talking about Devon Achan here. Okay. Might, might be back this week. Okay. All right. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Chosen. Robbie Cut. Chrissy Teigen. Steve Buscemi. No way. Look these up. No way. Look them up. No, well, how does he introduce Theron. himself? Steve Buscemi. I've never. Well, we got to find it. 
He also said it's okay if people. That's what. That's what. I got a big it's thing so with nice this. It's so nice having a name like mine. You got to pick. This is what happened with Matt Nagy. 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 He said it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Don't matter. Martin Scorsese. Yes. Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. <laughs> it's not Grande. It's Grand Grande. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have this problem in my life a little bit. Somebody will say, hey, I'm so-and-so introducing themselves, you know? And I'll say, hi, I'm Macon, and then I'll stop. But they think I'm in the middle of a sentence saying uh, that I'm making something. Mm -hmm. And then there's silence, and it's really awkward. That's why you just dropped the I am, just yeah. say Macon. Or hey, my name's Macon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. Okay, all right. Most famous of all, in 1970, Joe Thiesman was an All-American no, no. and was in contention for the Heisman Trophy. Thiesman whose last name was actually pronounced Thiesman, recounted in 2007 that it was Notre Dame publicity man Roger Valdeseri who insisted that he change the pronunciation of his name to rhyme with Heisman. <laughs> That's amazing. And Joe Theisman finished second that year to Jim Plunkett of Stanford. It was Plunkett. What? Yeah, Thiesman changed his name to Theisman That's to rhyme with Heisman. That's insane. How long did you spend on this? Oh, I don't know. A couple of weeks? <laughs> That year, that year was Plunkett, Theismann, Archie Manning. Tenth, you know, I love guys who finished tenth in the highest yeah, voting. Yeah, appreciate it. Lynn Dickey, quarterback, Kansas yeah. State, 15 years with the Oilers and Packers. And then, and then I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave you with this. I went through a few other guys who finished tenth. You ready? Yeah. Boomer Sison, uh -huh. Thurman Thomas, Derek Thomas, uh -huh. famous Amos Zeroway, Julius Peppers. This is just a list of cool oh, people. Yeah. Calvin Johnson. <laughs> Current guys, Roquan Smith. Okay. Tua Tungavailoa. There we go. Kyle, Me and my brother, Tua. Kyle Pitts, Brees Hall, Drake May. That's pretty great. Uh, That's some good company. Devon Achan might return to play this week. And he could change everything for the Dolphins. I think he's a big X factor for them because at this point, they're kind of a, they, they, they're really explosive. But when you look at them when they're at their best, this added element of the run game, it'll be nice to have Achan back. Yep. With Mostert, with Jeff Wilson. Yeah, here's my first 15, okay? Uh, I heard the uh, Woods McElroy bubble collapsed. Do yeah. you know about this thing? Yeah. It's like some sort of electronic golf. It's like robot golf. Um, Indoor I don't, golf, yeah. I don't fully understand it. There's two problems with this thing now. Number one, not safe, right? Who wants to golf in this thing? It just collapsed, like could collapse again. Number two, I seriously don't get it. I tried to read about it. I don't understand the appeal of this thing. I'm sure it's going to do really well because y'all love golf, right? You bros, you golf bros, love golf. I love golf. Um, it's great to play. It's an outdoor activity. You get to go outside. You get to walk between holes. Or, or you can drive a golf cart, which is always fun. You can also drive the golf cart. You can't do any of that inside. You can't do any of it. You can't walk. You can't feel the grass. You can't see the trees. You can't see the animals that are out there watching you lose a couple of golf balls. Uh, I'm not the biggest simulator golfer. Uh, it's nice to go to Top Golf every once in a while and try to hit it over the net. Um, but yeah, this will be interesting to uh, as it is implemented. I want to I want to read you something, and then maybe you can explain it to me. Ahead. But I read an article last night, and and I read the whole article, and I didn't fully understand it, so I had to read more articles. Mm. Okay, it was a bad article. TGL don't even know what that means. Patrick Cantlay teams up with Justin Thomas on Atlanta-based team for a new league in 2024. Patrick Cantlay, 
Billy Horschel and Lucas Glover join Justin Thomas in Atlanta Drive GC, whatever that is, Atlanta Drive Golf Club. But it's not in Atlanta. It's in like Palm Beach. Uh, in the first season of TGL, which still hasn't been explained what the fuck that is. Is that like the golf league? Okay. Nobody knows. Yes. The new Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy backed simulator golf league. Watch the DP World Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Live on Sky Sports Golf. Thursday from 7 a.m. We can't watch that in Virginia. <laughs> Glenn Young says we can't watch it. Uh, but no, nah, like <laughs> DP World Tour, is that what it is? It's a real thing. That's what they call it? DP yeah. World Tour? Yeah. I've, I've bet on it before. <laughs> Tiger Woods is running this thing. Tiger Woods and yeah. Rory McIlroy are running. He's this in not, front and behind it, my friend. Who's anchoring this thing? Not so. Tiger Woods and McIlroy are doing the T the uh, TGL DP World Tour is like in in Europe, but the oh. TGL is a it's six teams in six different cities. They play each other. It's basically a uh, answer to the Live Tour, which had which had uh, um, team golf. Uh, with an individual aspect. And so this is kind of the same thing they're trying to normalize uh, and bring golf to a wider audience. And DP is more of a European thing anyway. DP. Yeah. Just in general? Yeah. I would think so. Are we made to believe that these golf simulators are accurate? Like you hit a ball onto a screen and it just knows by by way of of, of, of impact and rotation it. and shit. Yeah, yeah but I'm sure that, that some of them take the ones that are in like the uh, Dick's Sporting Goods or Golf Galaxy stores where they're trying to sell you equipment. I'm sure That's they're fiddled with a little bit. Oh, I'm you saying. just hit a 400-yard drive. You need this club. Off a mat, which is very forgiving. Yeah. Also, oh, so 2,000 fans uh, down at Palm Beach State College. They, you know, it's going to be indoors. Um, golf should be play outside. We agree. Um, if you want to make this work, I have one twist. Actually disclose what you're gambling against each other on these games. Yes. Because you know that these dudes are betting. Like, they can't 100%. do it on the tour. I bet you they're allowed to do it, Like, or there's nothing stopping them from doing it here. That was the best part of the um, first season of the Netflix golf show, is the, the first episode was Jordan and Justin, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, on the golf course. They were playing a practice, practice round. Every single chip, every single putt, every single drive was like, yo, 100 bucks. Who's further? Who's closest? Who make this putt for a hundred dollars? Yeah. Bingo, bingo, bongo. How about Mickelson quit gambling? Yeah. Or allegedly. Mm -hmm. And Snoop Dogg stopped smoking mm. as of today. So I mean, guys are. It'd be like if you stopped gambling smoking and smoking. And smoking. <laughs> <laughs> there was a great video of Phil uh, playing a practice round with Bryson DeChambeau, and Phil was like, "Bryson, you want to bet?" And Bryson was like, "Yeah, all right, let's bet." And then turned. Like they had that they had already decided everything, and Phil was like, "Hold on, hold on. Do you know what we're betting?" And then ran them through like, "We'll do a hundred on this and ten on this and do ran through everything like a hundred bucks." And he said, yeah. "And at the end, it's a thousand a hole." So and Bryson was like, "Oh, oh even broke." Buddy, his I think that's light rocket. work for Phil, for Mickelson. Oh yeah, I mean he was taking it easy on Bryson mm -hmm. for sure. Um, What's cool about the like the the tournaments they've been playing like head to head against the, the pro football players and stuff in Vegas and the, the night golf the matches that's are fun. fun. Those are great. Like Tiger Woods played uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. That was cool. They're chalking trash to each other. They're hitting good shots, and they're all mic'd up. That stuff's cool. And I like seeing people that are normal-ish playing at a high level. Yeah. Like trying to do the thing. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, maybe they're normal at golf, but they're you know Aaron Rodgers somewhere mm -hmm. in football. It's a big celebrity. Like so you I think saw that one drive Aaron Rodgers 
pummeled off the mountain in Montana. Yeah. Like everybody does that. You know what? Watching Tom Brady suck at golf during the match had to be great for a lot of middle-aged guys. Because awesome. like he's good at everything. Awesome. And then Tom he Brady's hit and then he everything. dunked one in from 140 and then you're yeah. like, well, damn it. But But when he hits a bad shot for right. a minute, you're like, Tom Brady's like me. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see these fucking guys winning a million dollars on a match at some simulator indoors. Like I want to see I want to see the best of simulators where they break the the divider. They accidentally hit the ball in the divider cuz that's what we all do at the simulator place. Yeah. I want to see these golfers drunk. Yeah. I want to see drunk golfers Launching blacked a club out into the... playing full rounds. Yep. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Drinking games out there. Hey, what do you call two holes? Uh you know, tunnel. The the DP World Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really. Probably That's pretty that. good. No, I mean, it's a good callback. Hey, your friend's at Guinness. 104-year-old woman dies before Guinness can confirm her record as oldest skydiver. <laughs> Yikes. 104-year-old woman has it's died a little more. Yeah, Guinness, hurry up. A it's little like more this. than a week after she potentially broke the world record for the oldest skydiver. <laughs> oh, fuck. Dorothy Hoffner. Jumped 13,500 feet from a plane with Skydive Chicago in Ottawa, Illinois. She likely died in her sleep Monday at Brookdale Senior Leaven, <laughs> the center said. Guinness is still working to confirm if Hoffner broke the record for the oldest person to jump from a plane. God, that reminds me of like Michael Brockers getting traded to Detroit. Just hang on a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, you know, you're so close. Damn, dude. Good for her, though. You yeah. know what? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure it was a great adrenaline rush. Yep. Um, well, yeah. All right, so for our previews, we're going to be doing tiers, uh, SEC jobs. I think that's topical right now because a couple jobs are open in the SEC. And, in fact, one of them I read that they had reached out to Dan Campbell about coming back to his old stomping grounds in College Station. Yeah. No shot. Do you know how much that guy loves coaching in the NFL and being a head coach in the NFL and coaching the Detroit Lions? He's going to take you a pay cut to keep doing will, that. You will have to pry him away from that job. Like you will have to physically remove from the building, remove him from the building. Good luck. He's not one of the higher paid coaches in the league, though. Maybe you can use this as some leverage. Use this as some leverage. I'm pretty sure that oil money will be pretty good for Dan the Man Campbell. But the thing about Dan Campbell, he said this on our podcast, is like one thing me and Dan do have in common, and I think we would have a really nice night out in the town if me and Dan ever got to go drink a couple beers. But he's an RV guy, and he said he could live in an RV. And there are nights like this weekend, my, uh, well, coming up Thanksgiving, a lot of people coming in town. We're working out the bedroom situation. I have offered five times to go outside and sleep in the RV. <laughs> like I would sleep in the RV every night if I could, just parked in the driveway. That's, that's, that's my happy place. So Dan Campbell can live uh, off the grid, little means. I don't know if this oil money is He's moving him. For the money. He's not in it for the money. He's in it for the fucking, the bro, the bro and out. Just being in Detroit. Being in Detroit, man. That's that's his spot. So, College Station, sorry, you're going to have to find some corrupt SEC coach to, or maybe somebody at like from the Sun Belt. How's the JMU coach? He's good. Kurt Signetti. Oh, is he? He's related to Frank Signetti? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sig used to coach me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody named Signetti can go down to College Station. When's the last time in the SEC that they hired an Italian guy? Can't think of one. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened plenty. But you're not going to be chopping wood down in, in Starkville. It's just not a fit, you know? The guy from Rutgers. What the fuck is his name? 
Guy from Rutgers, Greg Schiano. Schiano. Yeah. It's not a fit. You know, you can't be hiring uh, Italian coaches down there. Kurt was born in Pittsburgh, too. It's uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, we're going to tier uh, quality of life. And I've never lived in any of these places, so some people might be offended listening to this. Uh, if you live in an SEC town, please be sure to comment. Write us back. We're not experts. We're just fucking around. Uh, but three tiers, right? The top games uh, going to be a group of cities. The middle games, group of cities, bottom. That's going to be Starkville. Who's going to join Starkville in the bottom? I, I went looking for good things to say about Starkville, Mississippi. Like even a Reddit thread about the. I was in the Reddit that, thread. It's a short thread, bro. They're all any and they're com- and they're shitting about Starkville. Yes, any compliment is. I actually wrote a couple down. Starkganistan <laughs> is an is an infected pus filled wound on the map, and then the guy goes, "Just kidding." As somebody went to to Ole Miss, I'm supposed to to say uh, it's a shithole with nothing but hicks and rednecks, but in reality, not that bad a town. So like every compliment's backhanded. I've never been down there. I don't think you've been down there, have you? Starkville, Mississippi, no. But we just know it's it's not great. There, there's a there's a uh, quote in a uh, USA Today article that ranked SEC school uh, SEC towns. Critics of the town, as well as rival SEC sports fans, would ironically call this town Stark Vegas because because of its small size, lack of culture, and absence of things to do. Lack of and culture. And when um, Caleb Presley he was doing his college tour. I think it was like eight years ago or whatever when they went to Starkville, they just made a parody video that just showed all of the fast food restaurants because there literally they was nothing cool. To so I've heard there. this is hearsay, and we went on Reddit. We researched it pretty well. The bottom yeah. tier for me is going to be Starkville. It, uh, a couple comments, sorry, from the Reddit thread. It's like the rundown parts of Hattiesburg <laughs> without the big chain stores. Oh, man, that, <laughs> that doesn't sound real good. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to live in Hattiesburg. It's sort of like putting your nutsack in a hole in a hornet's nest and then banging on the nest a few times. Is <laughs> a living down there? Is, like <laughs> <laughs> is that what happened to the kid in Stand By Me? Oh. No wasn't, it, wasn't there a kid in, uh, that got stung by a bunch of bees yeah. in one of those kids' movies? The movie you're thinking of is My Girl. Had that bee scene in it. So uh. I put College Station in there. In the middle, I'd go probably Knoxville, although I heard it's pretty awesome. I mean, I could put it in the top, but there's a lot of great towns in the SEC. The top tier for me, Macon, this is just eyeballing these towns. I've heard lovely things about Athens. Athens, Georgia is my top. Okay, I've heard Oxford. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, you've been to both? Um, No. The Google image search is incredible, and the hearsay is, is out of this world. Listen, Athens, Georgia... Middle of the pack in terms of population of these cities. Yeah. Like 120K with city and county, that's a great size, if you're asking me. About 70 miles away from Atlanta, mm-hmm. okay? Nice big city. You got, you got Charleston right there. You got Savannah right there, mm-hmm. okay? You're in the my, triangle. My, my, my vote in elections matters, <laughs> Yeah, you know, sort of thing. It really does. Yeah, Athens, yeah. Georgia. Athens, Georgia, Oxford. I'd throw Nashville in there. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a college say. town, but I love Nashville. For me... With respect, Nashville is like the most mid big city there is. And I like Nashville. You think it's mid? I think it's, I think it's kind of mid. It's more mid than like Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hey, Memories. bro. Minneapolis. My, like, my oh, yeah, because we went up there for the. I'm just saying, like, you know, Nashville's all right. Nashville uh, is all right. I'd like to throw Fayetteville in there because I heard it's really nice. 
I heard Fayetteville, Arkansas is really nice. Are you thinking of Fort Smith? No, I'm thinking of Fayetteville. (laughs) And I'd probably throw Lexington in there. Lexington's a nice town. And then finally, Tuscaloosa, uh, rounding out the top tier as an elite town in uh, in the South in college football. You see my Alabama flag there? I did. Yeah, that backpack you brought me an Alabama flag. Hung it up on the uh, the wall there, so I get to every time I podcast and I look at you, I'm looking at greatness be, behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, greatness, greatness there, but greatness behind you. Hey too. man, I got Tulane behind you. I need I say anymore. Uh, you know how you get to Oxford? This isn't a joke. How you uh, you go to Memphis and then you drive down? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Oxford Oxford's pretty far north in Mississippi. Farther right. north. If we're talking uh, longitude, yeah, maybe latitude, but I think longitude. Uh, latitude is flat. Yeah, flat uh, is fat. I just looked it up too. I think Carson Wentz. Latitude. Had a t- I think Carson Wentz had a tweet: "No fat chicks." <laughs> <laughs> he really did. Mitch Trubisky once tweeted: "I love titties." Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Oxford, uh, latitude-wise, uh, farther north than. Um, uh, Plenty of places. Yeah, sure. <laughs> including Atlanta and Dallas. Okay, well, uh, let's start with the northernmost part of the uh, breakdowns, top-tier games. The Athens-Georgia games. Whatever you're looking forward to this football season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment, an ice-cold Miller Light. Whether you're at the stadium playing fantasy football or watching the game at home or the bar, Miller Light is here to make your football season taste like Miller time. No matter what team you're rooting for, there's one thing we can all agree on. Football brings us together. A connection like that deserves to be celebrated, and Miller Lite wants you to celebrate with me during the NFL Conference Championships in January. Right now, Miller Lite is giving you the chance to win a trip for two to come hang out in the Green Light Studio. You'll fly out to Charlottesville, Virginia, and tune into the NFL Conference Championships with me and the Green Light crew. Then you'll sit in on a live Greenlight podcast session. Just go to MillerLight.com slash sweeps to enter. From kickoff till the final whistle, you can't go wrong with the Miller Light in your hand. Celebrate Miller time with the Greenlight podcast. Go to MillerLight.com slash sweeps to enter for your chance to win. No purchase necessary. Starts 11-6-23 and ends 12-4-23 at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. Must be a legal resident of one of the 50 U.S. states or Washington, D.C., 21 years of age or older, void where prohibited. See official rules at www.millerlight.com slash greenlightsweeps for entry, instructions, odds, prizes, and restrictions. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the all-in-one app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. With multiple tools for saving, spending, and sending, Cash App is an all-in-one way to stay in control of your money. Whether I need to send money to my pumpkin grower, pay for anything related to floating the river, quickly pay back a buddy for a night out on the town, or settle a bet, I can always count on Cash App. With security, boosts, discounts, a free-to-order debit card, no overdraft fees, Cash App is like a BFF for your money. It can be your read. Read's my BFF in the studio. Cash App, the exclusive financial services partner of Greenlight, downloaded in the App Store or Google Play to see why it's the number one finance finance app in the U.S. App Store. This is the dogs! It's the Sanford, baby! 
Philly, Kansas City. We don't usually break down um, a Monday night game this early, but this is this game's everything. Super Bowl rematch. I think it's Jalen Hurts' biggest road test. I've said that before. Like Eagles fans are gonna be like, "What do you mean?" I don't mean he hasn't passed the test, but this is a big test. I don't think the weather's gonna be perfect. I was looking ahead at you know, like sometimes I'll I'll look at the weather report. Smart. Like five days out, they've got this website that you know aggregates all the NFL cities and. There's supposed to be some wind. There's possibly some rain. So I actually think it's an under day. I really do. If you look at the second half of that ball game in the Super Bowl, we talked about, you know, Biennemi's effect on the the Eagles and then him going to Washington and that success following him. But the success for Washington kind of predated Biennemi. I think what's interesting is the adjustments that Spags made in the second half of that Super Bowl. We looked at the coverage splits. They threw the fucking kitchen sink at Jalen Hurts in the second half. Okay, 47.4 blitz percentage versus Jalen in the second half. A lot of late rotations. Something we notice with Jalen is they don't motion a lot, you know, and maybe he likes it static pre-snap, which means he likes a picture that's not going to change. Spags is going to change that picture. A lot of late rotations. Somebody's always moving on the snap. 29 snaps in the second half. 5 and 0, 5 and 1, 6 and 2, 3 and cover 3. Five uh, of three seam, which is a different variation. Two snaps of quarters, two snaps of six, and then a prevent snap. So that's a lot. That's the whole playbook. And so I think like seeing how multiple spags is going to be is going to be a key. And also like they weren't really able to run the ball as big and powerful as they are up front. They averaged like three and some change of pop. Kansas City was like six one. So I think this game comes down to physicality, taking care of the football. Jurgens is going to get back. That's going to be a big lift. It's Andy Reid off a bye, though, man. I don't know where you lean. I do lean Eagles catching the points. Andy's 87.1 winning percentage off a bye. Um, This is going to be a slugfest. I took Chiefs just because it's hate week between Steve and me every week. Yeah, you had to flip that thing. Hurts, 12 straight wins against opponents with winning records. Tied for the longest streak for a starter since 1950 with Vinny Testaverde and Peyton Manning. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. I mean, that's who he is, man. He's a winner. I mean, if you had to to, to give him one title, I mean, the, the thing that he does really well, I mean, he does a lot well in his game, but I think he's a winner. Like, when it comes to crunch time, he's cool, he's calm, he can handle Arrowhead. The question is going to be, can you get the run game help? Because they came out in the second half and they did not run the ball early. They threw the ball a bunch out the gate. Um, and I said, you know, the Chiefs were able to run the ball. So the question for me is the Eagles on the defensive side of the ball, are they up for it? I think they are. This is like if you're going to play Kansas City with the setup you have on the back end, this is the year. And so it's about not allowing extended plays to get out from under you. Uh, Roby's playing nickel. They've seen better receivers. This is the best group they've had up in a long time with Blankenship coming back, Bayard, the whole crew. So Who's guarding Kelsey? <sighs> multiple bodies just bodies, jamming him at the line of scrimmage. When I played for, for Bill for a year, one of the things that I noticed about him is like he doesn't give a fuck. If there's a tight end, he's not going to worry about the rush. He's going to worry about taking that tight end out of the game, disrupting you know, that tight end's first snap. Now, what Kansas City does so well is they're going to split Travis Kelsey out. They're going to move him around, make it hard for you to disrupt him. So that's a big question for me. Uh, you don't have to rush these guys like Denver. You have the dogs to get home. Okay, a lot of people are like, oh, we saw Cincinnati, what they did. The Denver thing popped up again. Um, These guys have been waiting to rush Patrick Mahomes since last year. 
you know, it, everybody knows the the surface was not ideal. I'm not making an excuse for the guys, but that's reality. They were slipping, they were falling. Mm, they want to get point. they want to get even here, and so I'm curious what the game plan looks like, and then how they how they rush with their ears pinned back because I think they're going to be motivated. This is a this is a great game on Monday night, and to follow what we just talked about Thursday night, we've had a real bad stretch of prime time. These two games are going to be killer. Big weekend, big couple of days in the AFC North. The six and three Steelers are at the six and three Browns. Browns now favored by a point. I also want to mention on that last game, this is meet the parents week for the Kelseys and the Swifts. I thought we might get away with not talking no, about it. No, I had that. to talk about it. I just had to mention that for anybody out there that cares. Okay. Okay, so we're in Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Total's 32 and a half. We got an Iowa uh, total breaking out here. Team looks just like Iowa. Their totals are like Iowa's totals. Uh, I, I think... I think the big news is obviously Deshaun Watson. When I woke up the other day and read that, it was like I wasn't surprised, but it was so out of left field. Um, you know, he's missed 39 games over the past three years. Three more years on that deal and 138 mil left. So if you look at the Browns' Super Bowl odds, they fell from 25 to 1 to 50 to 1. And honestly, I don't think they're that much different. Now, the one thing that's a little bit different is DTR is going to roll out there and start, and that's out of left field for a lot of people. Because he didn't look great against the Ravens, and and the other guy, Walker, is he's a bona fide vet. Like I really like the guy. He's he's showed some good things in spot starts and stretches with the Panthers and that sort of thing. So, um, I actually am a little bit confused by this, but maybe they like the upside. There's something they see in the building that we don't see. Deshaun's a tough guy. Okay, we, we talk a lot about Deshaun because of all the other stuff, but as a football player, he's a tough guy. Had a high ankle sprain Sunday had the shoulder earlier this year. Macon, I think this is interesting because this is the first subset of data that we have on a generation of quarterbacks that are athletic, that like to run the football. And I'm not saying Deshaun's going to escape the pocket first. He's a great passer. But, you know, every jump cut you make, every time you get pushed out of bounds, every time you, 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 you pick up a chunk on third down, you're getting hit. Sometimes you slide, but inevitably... It's the attrition of being that guy. And I think the main thing is over a three-year stretch in uh, Houston from 18 to 20, he was sacked like 50 times a year. Sacked like 155 times. That thing adds up. So in general, if you're looking at this generation of quarterbacks, it's interesting to think about. We've seen Joe Burrow, who's a mobile guy, who's had problems up front like, you know, like Deshaun dealt with in Houston have injuries, the ACL, the calf, things that have popped up. Josh Allen, now that's a whole different ball game because he's like a one-man band. But I think the subtlety of projecting these quarterbacks into their 30s and late 20s, you have to think about this is a different age. You know, Steve Young's one of the only guys that I think when you look back at the 90s, Steve Young was tucking it and running. He was taking big hits. That was a different era. I don't know if towards the end of his career, I think he missed a few more games, but it is a war of attrition with these guys. And so macro, they have a problem on their hands with this contract. We know that. But today, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I don't feel that bad about this. I mean, obviously, you got excited about the second half of the game last week. Second half of the game, they just fucking took the check down. Air yards and temp went way down. They just took the check down, and they ran it through a backup running back. That's the way their offense runs. And I think the first time they played... By the way, the total 
second lowest of the decade. Saints Browns last year, thirty two. Mm. Six degrees of kickoff. But but you know, like this team, the first time they played Pittsburgh, they had to dig into that bag to 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 find depth, whether it was Dewan Jones, because Conklin went down this game, or Chubb early in the game. Ford was mm. busting off six yards of pop. So I think you gotta feel good about your chances. Uh, but that game was all about turnovers. Browns had two turnovers that went for touchdowns. That's why the total, you look at this total, you're like, man, they scored a lot the first game. Two touchdowns on defense for the Steelers, three fumbles for the Browns, an interception, five of 16 on third down. That's not going to get any better. Cam Hayward's on the field. Maybe those third downs get a little bit longer. I think that's a big lift for them having Cam back. Um, and Dewan Jones, DNP yesterday, last week they had Garen J- Christian and 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 Hudson playing tackle. So I love the matchups for Pittsburgh. The depth has served the Browns well, but will it continue to serve the Browns well? I still think they can win three, four more games. I think they can win a playoff game with PJ Walker. I don't know about DT, DTR, but like they go, to, they go to Miami. Let's say they go to Miami in January. I like their matchup. Can I maybe answer the P.J. Walker piece of it? Yeah. Completed less than 50% of his passes, one touchdown, five picks. Five picks, not great. Ran the ball 12 times for 30 yards. So, I mean, maybe they're just going with the upside. To our point, give this kid a a runway, try to improve, because when you look at the macro, who knows what what you're going to be dealing with year year in, year out over the next couple. You can't get rid of Deshaun. It's also a guy they drafted in the fifth round, so it's It's, their guy. It's their guy. And if they're looking at this thing from like a a micro standpoint, maybe you like the vet. But if you're looking at the whole thing, maybe it's, it's, hey, we want to give this guy some run because we might need him over the next couple years. If you're the Browns defense, you're probably rallying around each other. Doesn't matter who's at quarterback. We can win ballgames on our own. I think they're used to that at this point. And so... I think for the, for, the, for the Steelers, they have a chance to wake up Monday and be in first place in this division and with they, a negative point differential, being outgained every week, all that stuff we've heard. They could outgain the team for the first time. They, I think this is the week. <laughs> Don't you think it's the week? Probably the week. It's probably the week. And um, I think last week, you look at their explosive runs. This is really interesting because I got excited about the Steelers looking more like a football team the last couple of weeks. We made a big deal about Broderick Jones, the big guy from Georgia. How about getting in the crease as an edge player between him and Darnell Washington? Mm. Like, holy shit, just two big guys. And Washington's played a lot more as the year's gone on. And I think, like, he's not moving people off the ball. You know, I, I think I was comparing him to Mercedes Lewis. I don't think he's quite that, that effective of a blocker, but he's long. And when you get these long tight ends, and Pittsburgh likes them because they used to have Heath Miller, Spath, those guys, like, they would get that underhand punch on you and they would just lock you out, and you had nowhere to go. Spath had those vice grips. I couldn't get off him. He's the one guy in my career I could not get off a block on this guy. He was sticky as hell. Tomlin likes these guys, and when, when you get washing up on the second level, even if he's not moving people, it's just annoying to deal with those levers. So I think Darnell's helping him. I think uh, Broderick's helping him. But I, I heard something interesting this week. A rookie's always going to tell too much, but they're crowded around Broderick Jones' locker after the game, and they're like, what gives, man? Because you're the guy who said, we wanted 200 this week. You go out and get it. He's like, well, we've been having these players-only meetings on Thursdays. We've been having meetings with the offensive line and the backs, and I think that's really helped us. And that was kind of illuminating. He didn't, he didn't expound on what actually came up in the meetings, but then they go to Najee Harris's locker. And they're like, Najee, what has changed? And he's like, well, that's, that's for us to know. Some things have happened internally. 
We've had some aha moments. They we decided Jalen should be getting the rock a little bit more. And he is getting the rock more. But I think more than anything, Najee, who had a great game last, last week, thought they fell into something in these meetings. He wasn't going to admit it. And they go, hey, the guy over there, Broderick, he, he just told us about these meetings. And you could see Najee's face kind of go, uh, and he's like, well, that's one of the things. And there was something in that meeting that I think came up that really spoke to Najee and spoke to, to Warren because he, he said, he goes, hey, listen, in that meeting, if they say they like to pull, we like to pull. You know, if they say they like running outside zone, we like outside zone. And he said, I think we know our identity as a run team now. Well, guess what they've done the last couple of weeks? 40% outside zone last week, 20% from weeks one to nine. I think they're a little bit more of a perimeter team. Now, Green Bay stunts a lot, so they got the ball out on the perimeter. But let's see if that holds up this week. They're not going to be able to run some of the same concepts. This is a different kind of defense. They're screaming up the field. 2.6 yards before contact Sunday for Najee. That's his easiest day at the office. His worst day at the office this year, week two against the Browns, minus 1.3 yards before contact. So that's got to change. They're creating turnovers. This is a week they can do it. They, lead, they basically lead the league in red zone turnovers. So all the situational football that teams like Jacksonville and Seattle are fucking up, and we get excited about these teams, and we look at the Steelers, they're not a good football team. But over a big sample size, they've won close games, getting outgained, the whole thing. It's not pretty, but what they are doing is they're taking care of business when it's time to play situational football, and that's Mike Tomlin, man. Mike Tomlin was defending Kenny Pickett, his fourth quarter rating. He said, hey, quarters one through three, it's not that important to me. What's he doing in the fourth quarter? Well, you know what I liked about last week? He didn't have to do shit. They ran the ball. They flipped the field. They got in plus territory running the ball. So Pittsburgh in the passing game, they've got to go stacks and bunches. The Browns run their stuff, cover one. Um, challenge these guys when you can. Take away the quick game defensively. You know, it's not like Deshaun's out there. It is DTR. So play up when you can. Take away the RPO, the quick answers for him. I actually like the matchup for the Steelers. And if I had to bet a total, I might fuck around and bet the under. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But I do like the Steelers. Another one-point line is in L.A. Seahawks are favored. Six and three at the three and six Rams. Historically, Sean McVay has had success against Pete Carroll. McVay, nine and five, including the postseason win, uh, including 2020, Seahawks off a bye, and they won that game. So I think it's interesting. Any of these division games, any, any repeat games in the NFL, I can remember a bunch of them in my career that went one way early, and flipped completely, whether it was New Orleans when they beat us like 44 to seven or something. Sean Payton's running up the score. We look awful defending the Super Bowl. We, we fell to four and six. We see them in the playoffs. It's a dogfight. Like it's, we're right there. Look at the Ravens, you know, different quarterback, but 27-3 the first time they play. The Browns win a shootout last week. So it's division games really spread out during the year. You never know what's gonna happen. DK says he can't even remember week one, uh, and that sounds good. Like, that's his way of saying, like, we've changed. But have you? Because third down, you were terrible that game. And third down has continued to be a big problem for you. Uh, couldn't get off the field, couldn't convert, um, and the Rams controlled the clock. 78 plays compared to 46 for the Seahawks. So with Stafford back, I think the thing that shocked everybody about week one was them running up the score on on them. I mean, they were in the they were in the the game for a while, and then then the the Rams pulled away. Stafford picked them apart. Okay, they played too much zone. 
And they had no pass rush that game. A lot's changed for the Seahawks. Mafe's come on. Leonard Williams is in town. Uh, they, they did it without Cooper Cup week one. Okay, so there's a lot that's changing. We don't know what's, what's up with Puka. Um, he's on the injury report. The Rams just have to finish games. They've been competitive against the Niners. Uh, they've been competitive against the Bengals, the Eagles, um, the whole thing. But they haven't finished against these good teams. The one good team that they've really beaten has been Seattle. And uh, I think the big key is going to be can you block AD? Because you have an advantage outside. I'm waiting for those guys outside and Gino to get on the same page. If they've been there long enough together, this is year two. Sometimes it looks like year one for them in key situations. Fucking figure it out outside. You're going to have a good day. You get Abe Lucas back, maybe. So I think for Seattle, you want to prove you're a different team than week one. This is your opportunity. Uh, but you have to fix some of the things that you haven't fixed yet. Interestingly, Seattle and Seahawks begin with the first uh, same three letters. That is interesting. S-E-A. That's, that's really interesting. L.A. week one had Kyron Williams and Cam Akers. That was a backfield. Yep. Not coming up. Yep. Be, be led by Daryl Henderson. Most likely. It's amazing what McVeigh does. I mean, McVeigh is a really good football coach. Uh, I kind of, he's like the offensive version of, of, of Mike Vrabel. You know, they, they find ways to, to scrap together competitive ball games and wins where you don't expect them to do it. I mean, I've seen them be competitive with backup quarterbacks, with nobody at running back, with a bunch of guys off the street playing defense this year. I got to tip my cap to Sean McVeigh. He's done a really nice job. But, this is the type of game where if you get blown out, especially with what you did week one, it's a big barometer for where you are. And then the rest of the season feels a little different. So, Six and four Vikings are at the four and five Broncos. Broncos favored by two and a half. Total is 42 and a half. This will be Sunday night football. Minnesota has won five games without Justin Jefferson and now two without Jefferson and Cousins. It, again, credit to another great coach. Kevin O'Connell, one of my favorite coaches in the league right now, period. I'm on inside the NFL, get to watch all that that like NFL film stuff, even some of the stuff that doesn't make the show that we see in production meetings. This guy, like every interaction with players, he nails it. And, you know, like his tutelage of, you know, Josh Dobbs, his encouragement, being able to hit the curveball, the whole thing. Is every word from every coach or every head coach mic'd? I don't know if every word is. I don't know if every coach is mic'd. But we get some really killer moments, and some of them don't make this show. It's, it's probably, I bet, it's probably just part of signing up for the gig. It's probably not an opt-in or opt-out thing. The NFL is like, we Pro- get your Probably audio. so. And then you do have, like, right of refusal right. We'll on some of that stuff. We'll take care of you, but we have it. It's not like they're going to, you know, like, he's going to be, his mic's on, he's taking a shit at the half, and right. they're like, yeah, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, big shitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is up to third in Coach of the Year odds. Yep, and he should be. I actually put in a couple bets this week on Coach of the Year. I think I put him in. I think I put D'Amico Ryans in, whose odds were actually longer than I thought. So um, I like this spot for Denver. Having said all that, I really do like this spot for Denver. On the surface, we were talking this out this week in meetings and saying, hey, fucking Russ, not great against the Blitz. I mean, if, if you look at his passer rating against the Blitz, 90 dropbacks this year, he's sandwiched between Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. He's down in that AFC East neighborhood. You know, he's, 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 it's not good. 74.9 passer rating. Vikings play a lot of cover three. He doesn't really like cover three. 34th out of 46 in passer rating versus cover three blitzes. So he's going to see some of those. But I looked back when Russ has played 
B flow, who's been on fire, you know, defensively. The last seven weeks of the season, they've done a really good job. 2020 against the Dolphins, he went 24-34 for 360, two touchdowns and an INT and a win. He was blitzed 40% of the time. A little lower than what B Flo's done this year. He's just gone full out, Wink Martindale. Um, but you look at the the Seattle matchup in 2016 when I was there, he shredded us 25 for 37, 348, three touchdowns, 38.6 blitz rate. Um, and so, you know, like there's some some little variations in each matchup, but the, the common thread is that Russ, Russ has played well against B Flo. And, you know, he's not the same guy as 2016, but 2020, not that long ago. Maybe this is a game at home. They're so physical. I mean, the one thing Minnesota's done the last two weeks, they played teams that I don't think are particularly well-coached. Okay, like I don't think the Saints are a well-coached football team. I don't think the Cardinals are a well, well-coached football team. Pew! That, and they're not physical, you know, like in every facet of the game. They've got some physical guys in New Orleans, but Atlanta, not physical. New Orleans, not a well-coached team. Denver looks like both. They really do right now. I'm not saying they're great, but they have a high floor right now. Their floor was like in the basement when they gave up 70 and Vance Joseph was going to get fired. But what they've done since that is, since week five, they're 13th against the run. They're 8th against the pass. 13th blitz rate. So Vance Joseph is chilling out a little bit. He's not doing wink level stuff like he was in Arizona. And uh, they rank in the bottom half of the league in cover one. So... I think it's a good matchup. I think the physicality, uh, I think you can leverage the limited experience. Even when Justin Jefferson comes back, it's, it's Josh Dobbs now having to worry about, hey, I got a number one here. I got to feed him the ball. We haven't played together. He's going through that right now with every receiver. And I think like when you play a, a, a Josh Dobbs over the next month, you should late rotate, disguise coverages, up the communication that has to happen outside between guys that just met. You know, the honeymoon stage might be over at some point. I personally think, and I haven't bet that over win total yet. I'm a little bit confused of what I should do. Uh, I had the under at eight and a half. It's still at eight and a half. I kind of want to just root for Josh Dobbs, put a little bit more on the over. I would hedge it. Well, here's what I'm thinking. I think they might lose this game, and then you and then the it. total moves down, and I can take the over on like seven and a half. And then you could maybe get super lucky. With I could maybe thread the, thread the needle or something like that. Um, so I think that's the big question. Can, can the Vikings continue to run the ball? Can they match the physicality of these guys? Um, there's something there on tape for Monday Night Football because the Bills ran the ball. Denver's got nine takeaways the last two games. Watch out for TJ Hawkinson. That's my big concern if I'm that Denver defense. In the last three games, Denver's only given away a total of twice. So you didn't think you'd say Josh Dobbs isn't going to give it to you like Josh Allen will or Patrick Mahomes will, but to your point, four last week, five the week before. And Josh, no picks in his first two weeks in Minnesota. And I got real degenerate this week. I was looking at Josh Dobbs' career splits like each month, each day. The one thing for me that I was expecting and I wondered about, and maybe part of it is, is, is a product of playing his games for a certain team, like a big, a big um, sample size outside, on grass, outdoors, okay? This is going to be, I don't know what the weather's going to be in Denver, but this is an outdoor game. Elements might matter. Um, it's not a dome. It's not a retractable roof. His splits are way worse in those situations. So as the season goes on, it's going to be interesting to see because as I was looking at this win total, I said, well, how many more times does Josh Dobbs have to play outside? He's not a huge arm guy, 
you know, you think of these big arm talent guys as guys that can play in any weather. Um, I don't think of him as like a December, January type guy. The lucky thing for Josh Dobbs and the Vikings is they play almost all their games indoors the rest of the year. Uh, this is one they play outside on the road against the physical team. I'm interested to see how they come out. I, I lean Denver here. High 40s. And the under. High 40s, High 40s. So, you know, maybe not a big deal, but it is a, a game outside in the elements. We'll see how he fares. Cardinals and the Texans have sneaked their way into the top tier. Cards are two and eight. Texans five and four. Texans favored by four and a half. Totals forty-eight and a half. Stroud, uh, fifteen hundred plus yards on throws over ten air yards. That's more than anybody else. I feel like we should be coming into this thing talking about C.J. Stroud. We talked about him a lot this week, but I don't think I had more fun this week than watching the Cardinals play the the Falcons. And it wasn't because of the Falcons. It was because of Kyler Murray. Because I was so interested to see what a guy, you know, a year removed from playing football off an ACL would look like. Does he look the same? Yeah, he looks the same. Uh, he ran 68.9 yards on a like a 10-yard 10, 10 gain late in, the, late in the game on a key third down. He ran that two-minute drill, got them down there, scored. Actually, it was, it was a 13-yard gain, even better. It wasn't just 10, it was 13. Mm. So the guy's getting out and running. Like, very impressive. Um, and the Falcons heated him up early. Like I'm talking about, they were backed up at the beginning of this game. I think they, they extra rushers, five out of six first dropbacks. They were like, fuck it. We're going to play a lot of cover one. We're going to heat this guy up, see what he can do. When they got into some too high stuff, they were able to settle in. But I thought Kyler, especially in the first half, Trey McBride had a big game. Uh, that guy's a baller. I, Kyler looked like Kyler. Now, Kyler has never been enough because we're here because – you know, it's never been, hey, is Kyler healthy? It has been at times, but a healthy Kyler Murray hasn't been enough. You know, it's if he were that good, we wouldn't be talking about trading him. But when I watch this first half, it's like, oh, they have a decision on their hands a little bit because their, their win total is now four and a half. Okay, like if you look at the draft thing, after this win, their number one pick percentage dropped from 37% to 18%. Now, Drake May is not going to be there at three. Okay? Currently, they have the fourth pick. They have the fourth pick. Now, they have a 62% chance of landing a top three pick. Bears cards, December 24th, is going to be huge. Next year, the dead money is too steep. It's like $81 million. And then the year after that, it's 33. So, um, kind of factors into how you, you plan this out if you're the Cardinals. You can't go anywhere with them. I don't think anybody's going to take that contract as much as we've been willing it to happen in media circles. I just don't know if this was ever the plan. Maybe it's the plan in a year. Maybe it's to draft a guy and get him out of there uh, in 25 when it's 33 mil. Um, but when you look at this team, you've got all these picks, first rounder next year, first rounder from Houston the next year, second rounder, third rounder from Tennessee, third rounder from Houston, fourth rounder, fifth rounder from Philly, fifth rounder from Houston, seventh rounder. So... For a team that can look wildly competent with Josh Dobbs or Kyler Murray, they're going to they're gonna win a couple more games. They're going to play teams tough. What do you do here? Because a lot of times an injury, a change of coaching, a change of scenery can reset a guy. You know, And I, I, I wonder if all those things actually are going to work in Kyler's favor. Maybe he changes his work habits. But from the stuff I saw Sunday, Kyler Murray has respawned, dude. He's, he's back on the map. You know, like you do, he's back, dude. He looks the same. So it's exciting if you're a Cardinals fan and if you're drinking the Kyler Kool-Aid. Houston should win this game, right? Houston's going to go 10-7. and seven. Incredible. Incredible. 
Well, I don't know what they're going to go, but but they're going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Somebody asked me this week on Inside the NFL, this is before the Deshaun injury, who are those three teams that are going to make the wild card out of that big lump of AFC teams? I think it's Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Houston. I really do. I said it last night. Hey, if Cleveland slides in, they could win a game. Uh, But I think Houston, with the quarterback they have, what he showed the last couple weeks, they're so well coached. The defensive line's starting to pick up. And that's the big difference is this week is, is Houston's front, as good as they played last week, and we talked to Sheldon Rankins in this show, can they duplicate that performance? Because if they do, Kyler's going to have a hard day, especially inside. You know, I would, if I, with these draft picks, if you decide to stay with Kyler, I would draft the biggest guards on the planet. And, and it, because he can handle edge pressure. You, he can't handle guys in the middle with their hands up, resetting that line of scrimmage. So the test for me, Houston's growing up, right? Last week, hey, you're all growing up. Really growing up to me would be taking care of a team that you're supposed to take care of at home. They have played down to teams' levels at times. Uh, Carolina lost that game. Right. Atlanta lost that game. 20-13 to 13 or whatever it was, it was close for comfort against the Saints. These are not good football teams. Okay, now they've throttled Jacksonville. They played with Cincy. They have played up. Can they play up against a, a, an Arizona team that looked okay last week? And they're coming to your house. So we'll see. Can they run the ball? The Perryman suspension is absolutely it's fucking bogus. Um, I don't know if you've seen the play against Jamar Chase. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be some bloodthirsty old NFL guy who just every player safety thing like, you know, my boy Will Compton, he's putting out socials of like guys getting decapitated in the 90s. Like, can we go back to this? I'm like, I don't need to go back there. But I also don't need to be suspending guys three games, reduced to two now, for making a tackle in the open field on a wide receiver who's slowly changing his level and dancing around. Like, that's a tackle you have to line up. And so when he lowers his head and he's trying to get down there to, to chase his level, as Chase lowers his his body you can't beat him to the ground it's going to be really hard to aim and end up in the right spot now the hit looks vicious because he's a physical fucking player and i really like perryman but if he's such a serial offender why do we have to go back this guy's got 318 snaps on the year had to go back to week two to find Mm -hmm. uh zach moss plays which i saw they're in the hole they're unpenalized zach moss is putting his head down i saw a blitz pickup watching the cardinals game in the first third down that was violent as fuck. Kyler's backed up. The back just decapitates the free runner. We're not even talking about that stuff. I'm, but the guy Broderick Jones from the Steelers, he's ducking his head every time he, mm-hmm. he leads into a hole. We got to stop this. This doesn't happen if it's not Jamar Chase. Now, as for the game, Toto, am I saying that, that name right? Toto. Toto. It's, it's a tough one. A um, lot, right. lot of apostrophes in that name. You know, I struggle with names. Toto. That guy's played well for them. Um, he's in concussion protocol. It becomes a big deal. You lose Perryman. You've had him out a couple weeks. You've been fine. Actually, some of your best games, he hadn't been on the field. But if you lose two linebackers, then we're having a conversation about how do we match personnel? How deep in the bag do we, do we have to dig? So that's one I'd keep an eye on. Who's in charge of the injury report? On a team? Yeah. I suppose it's a collaborative effort between the trainers. And, I mean, the Houston guy is just going nuts. And that's what I'm saying, man. That's why I gave out the Cardinals this week. I think they win this. I, I, I think the Texans probably win this game. I think there's a chance they lose this game. But the reason I like them catching four is look at all those red letters. 
sometimes when you, you, you pour it all into one week, it's like a playoff game. Then, you know, the letdown came that game comes afterwards. But I think another element of this is there's a bunch of guys with red letters coming into that game. And now, you know, how do those injuries continue to linger after a physical ball game? A lot of big hits in that game. Physical, they ran the ball. They were physical on defense. We'll see. Shout out Devin Singletary. Yeah, he was great. 30 for 150. Four and five Chargers, three-point favorites at the three and six Packers for the fourth time in his first season. The offense is improving. Since succeeding Aaron Rodgers as Green Bay's quarterback, Jordan Love had the chance to lead his team to a road win and fell short with two fourth-quarter interceptions. So the picks at the end of the game, not great. And people are trying to blame one of the picks in the corner of the end zone on Christian Watson. I know the temperature's hot with that kid right now in Green Bay, but that's not his fault. Um, He had options elsewhere. You know, I, I don't think that's his catch to make necessarily. Could you be stronger? Could you break up a pass on defense? Sure. But that's a Jordan Love throw. Jordan Love taking more shots. And early in the season, what I said to him and I, or said about him, because it, I remember this because at times I was wondering if I was going to end up on like old takes exposed. But I said, the reason I'm, I'm, I, I'm not out on Jordan Love is because he makes some high quality throws. He makes some like above average throws. He's not just managing the game. In that preseason kind of offense that they run, especially in the first half, it looks like he's a game manager. But when they allow him to take shots, you need reps doing that. I don't think there's an arm strength issue. I mean, he doesn't have the best arm in the league. But he can throw an out on time, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field outside the numbers, zing it out there. He's hit Reed on some deep balls. He hit one last week. He, uh, he's got Dobbs out there. I love seeing him take shots. Just get the reps at it. You know, can you run the ball? because the Lions could, uh, and you haven't been able to do it. The Lions are the cream of the crop there. Um, we'll see. Chargers Char- Jones defense. just hadn't been healthy. Chargers defense got to step up. Aaron Jones hadn't been healthy. You said it. Um, this is an opportunity them, for them to get right. I like the Chargers in this spot. Lions three. I don't know what public perception of the Chargers is really because I don't think they're very good. 25% of the bets on Green Bay, but 40, 46% of the money. Now, I haven't put this bet in. After hearing that, maybe not. But to caution you as well, the Packers in these spots, the Sharps have been all over them, whether it was last week, whether it was Minnesota. All the Sharps were like, yeah, I'm going to do the icky thing. So I did the icky thing against Minnesota, and it was ugly. And it was the same thing last week where I was on the other side of it, and I came out okay. But I, I think sometimes like people are trying to outthink themselves with this Packers team. And I think the Chargers have a big opportunity to get up for this game uh, on defense, uh, they played poorly last week. Packers play a ton of cover three. Herbert loves that coverage. Packers have a good pass defense, but dirty secret about the Packers' pass defense. As I'm talking, pull up a list of the quarterbacks they played. You're going to be shocked. Um, will they get Jair back? It's been Valentine and Ballantine mm. outside. Uh, and the defense, yeah. I don't know how much of that Pittsburgh run offense. That's That's something I'm really interested to see this week. How much of the Pittsburgh run offense is because Joe Barry and that defensive group last week had just like head scratching uh, fits and 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 choices like decisions they made when to move the front, when to bring pressure. The run game did not sync up well for them defensively. So interested in this game moderately. I think the Chargers probably give themselves some false hope coming out of this game and try to go on a run because you look at the schedule remaining for for the Chargers, it, it softens up. Love this game. 
Vegas is in Miami. Vegas somehow is five and five. Dolphins are six and three. Dolphins now favored by thirteen and a half points at time of tape. What what's your best shot if you're if you're the the Raiders? I, like this is it's not a leading question because we went through this exercise earlier. It's what probably what what's you your mean? best shot to win this game? Run the ball. Run the ball, right? And you come out of the game against the Jets and you're like, oh, they ran the ball. I went back and watched the run tape. They took a lot of negatives, okay? The one thing they did have, it was like the ugliest 135 yards, but Antonio just stuck to it, right? It's like, we're going to do this. They had seven explosive runs before Antonio Pierce was the, the head coach. Uh, seven the last two weeks. So that's your best hope. It's being patient. It's knowing that we're going to take some negatives. We might get behind the sticks. I do think this is like, what defense do you like better, the Dolphins or the Jets? you got to be encouraged by what you saw last week, even if at times it was ugly. Stick with it. Um, you know, Jakob Johnson, who's the New England cat, uh, plays fullback, kind of that move guy. When Josh McDaniels was in charge, you look back at their run tape. Go back and watch, like, the Chargers uh, early in the season. That's what I was doing. They ran a ton of eye formation. Now – They've had more success the last two weeks with this guy out. And I don't know if a New England phase out is coming where it's like everything New England must go except for maybe Jacoby Myers. But like maybe we don't put this guy back in the game a bunch. Maybe we don't go back to the well on that stuff. Maybe we 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 stick to some more gun run. Um I I, I think there's something to it, you know. Uh he had five snaps in week eight and none the last two because of a concussion, because of injuries. But in general, they have not run I formation the same click with Antonio Pierce. So the run game, I think it's incomplete report card. This is a week that we'll find out. This is a game you got to shorten the game. We'll see if they can do that. I just want to shout out Max Crosby, as I always do, because I was there looking at uh, snap count trends for the Raiders, because sometimes the interim head coach comes in, some guys' snaps go down, some guys' snaps go up. I found something really interesting about Max Crosby. It hasn't changed. <laughs> Okay. He's not tapping his I just, helmet. I just want to tell you this. Because I played an era where, hey, look, fuck, I can remember playing 83 plays. I can remember playing 72 plays. They, I remember when Jeff Fisher came into town, they were like, hey, Chris, we love you, but we need to rotate a little bit. The wheels are going to fall out you know, from under you. And they did anyways late in my career where I just felt like I was out of gas, and I think St. Louis had a lot to do with that. But he's played this year 98%. 91 percent 95 percent 100 100 100 97 percent 100 100 100 crazy he's a fucking dinosaur he's like he's you know there's very few dinosaurs left trivia question do you know can you name one yeah stegosaurus a bird any bird oh uh uh blue jay oh morning morning dove any of them he's one of these birds man left over from the uh from the dinosaur age where it's like he's a condor He's literally a dinosaur, dude. He's the most dinosaur of all fucking birds, dude. It makes a lot of sense because there's nobody left. All the other guys that used to play 100% of the snaps are extinct, bro. It's a rotation league. That leads to my next point, which is the only way they win this game is Max Crosby Mm -hmm. defensively. And that's a really tough task because they can run away from him. He can wreck a front side zone. He can wreck a front side stretch. He can get in on the backside. But you have to, if you're Miami, you have to commit, especially in the run game. Hey, pass game, he's going to get his, his buckets. You can get the ball out. The guys in the back end, they're banged up, the whole thing. But in the run game, he can wreck your operation by creating negatives on first down. The, the Eagles did that on the edge. 
Jets and Bills. Josh Allen is the only one in the league to have thrown 10 or more picks in each of the past four seasons. He leads the NFL in interceptions and turnovers currently with 13. Bills favored by seven points. Big question. What's Joe Brady look like? I actually, I, I'm bullish on Joe Brady because I think we've got this, hey, when he was at LSU, we thought he was next boy wonder. What job is he going to take? Then he takes the Carolina job. He's probably kicking himself a couple years down the road because that wasn't the right job to take. Matt Rule had a lot of influence there. Matt Rule uh, did not pan out. Matt Rule also doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to let the 23-year-old kid, pencil neck kid, just do what he wants to do. I want to see what Joe Brady looks like in Buffalo with a good quarterback, with some offensive pieces. And so I think when it comes to the Bills game plan, it's about, hey, can we go out and eliminate the mistakes from Josh Allen? That is, it's obvious this week. We know it's a dogfight. We know it's about knowing the script of the game, knowing your opponent. This is the type of game. Look no further than the first one, okay? Going through this game, he threw three picks. The first pick, it's a waste, bro. You, you, you got a tight end on third down, beating a linebacker. You decide to go deep, throw a punt into the middle field. Okay, it's a waste. Um, second pick, good, good drive by the Jets out of the half. Okay, you get the ball with like a few minutes left in the third quarter. Jets only got a field goal out of it. You can put this game away, okay? You're up 13-6. to six. You go up 16-6, and this is my point about knowing the situation. You kick a field goal, you probably win this game. Ten points to the Jets, almost insurmountable. So four minutes left to go in the third quarter. You're up 13-6. It's second and 13. You're at the fucking 40-yard line, plus territory, okay? Check down. There's a check down there. It's second and 13. You could take the check down. Instead, you go third and you – go, you go punt. You know, you just you – just, Throw a fucking a punt. So two of those just careless punts. Stanford Steve said it. Impatience. Pick three. Nine forty nine to go in the game. Own forty three. Third and two. They run a flood concept. It's basically guy out in the flat. Guy running a seven. Uh, and you know like some sort of a shallow crosser on the backside. But the point is the seven's not there. He tried to go there earlier in the game. The seven wasn't there then. It's not going to be there now. And the game situation says take the fucking flat. And pick up the first down and go kick a field goal and go home, okay, in 15 minutes. But instead, he forces it. That's a pick. And then the worst thing is, we saw this the other night, fumbling a snap, just careless, easy shit. It's 13 to 13 with a few minutes left, and he fumbles a snap. So all these picks, these turnovers, they're avoidable. You know, like I looked at his interception reel from the entire year. There are some unavoidable ones. The Gabe Davis one, maybe take something off it, but Gabe's got to catch that ball. He got his hand hit on two of them. Some of them, like on a third and 13 against, I think, Washington, he just takes a shot down the sideline to the 20. It's an effective punt. Okay. But a lot of them, when you look at it, whether it's New England, you're down 3 nothing early. You're backed up. You throw that pick. Okay. I think it's cover two. Cincinnati, 14-7, early in the game. Backed up. Throw a pick. Look like cover two. Okay. Denver, 12-8. Backed up. This leads to a Denver touchdown. Cover two. You just force it in there. It's early in the game. It's careless. You know, like, just know the game situation. When I talk about Brian Dable versus Ken Dorsey, maybe Brian was the guy who was like, hey, motherfucker, this is a situation where I need you to, uh, to chill the fuck out a little bit. And maybe Ken Dorsey's like, okay, Josh, you know, the whole thing. you got to be forceful with this guy and let him know what time it is. And presumably Saw still isn't traveling. He's just parking it there on one side of the field. And so Diggs, week one, 10 for 102 and a touchdown, but – they still scored just the 16 points. Yeah, and you notice that the first couple third downs of that game in some situation, they'd be sending digs in motion, 
And then I feel like he got more stationary as the game went on. But like, try to find ways to get him in matchups that you like. Last week it was oh, okay. Number two's over there. We won't look at Stefan. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, no. So I mean, all this stuff. The Bills have a lot of work to do offensively. They also have a lot of work to do defensively. And if you're the Jets, your number one hope for this game, and it is like it's a real thing, is like Matt Milano is not walking through that door. Daquan Jones not walking through that door. Trey White not walking through that door. This defense looks a lot different than the defense that you saw week one. So if you're the Jets, you might say, hey, we can run the ball on these guys. Um, these guys have, 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 have the worst EPA allowed since week five. We knew that the, the Bills are not the same defensively, and I think at times it's been admirable the way they've strung it together. But this is a problem for the Bills, the defensive personnel. There's really no way out of some of the holes they have. And for the Jets, can you take advantage of that? And if they give you drive starts, like they gave the Broncos last week because of special teams. That's another thing. The Bills lost that game on special teams. They lost last week on special teams. If they keep pissing down their leg on special teams, you got to make them pay. And so if you get short fields, you got to get points out of it. I don't care if it's three or seven, but you got to get points out of it. And Zach Wilson, not good against the Blitz, but McDermott last week dialed it up at the wrong time. How gun shy is he going to be? And with that, we're on to the dregs of the SEC cities, as previously discussed. Starkville's. Starkville, home of Mississippi State University, is a thriving town of over 23,000 residents. We we got some uh, clashing pewter and and gold. Bucks four and five at Niners six and three. Niners favored by 11 and a half. Chase Young, four pressures on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I thought he played well. A lot of people came out of this game and they're like, see, that's the Chase Young effect, because they didn't watch the tape. They saw like he shared a sack and that sort of thing. Like, he was a factor. The guy who stepped up was Javon, Javon Hargrave. And, um, you know, I just thought the Niners in general look more like the Niners. Um, their win total, I think, right now is at 11.5. That has them going 6-2 and two if you take the over. And I think they could finish the season like that, you know, 12-5 and five or something like that. So um, this team is trying to load up to make this late push. They make a big move at the deadline. It helps, but it's not going to be the one thing that changes everything for them. What, what's going to change everything for them is Steve Wilkes improving the way he calls plays. Uh, and those things go hand in hand. I thought nobody made a big deal about Ambry Thomas, Lenore going to the slot. Um, the guy that's been uh, Isaiah Oliver has been a name that's come up in a bad way a lot over the past month of the season. So getting him less snaps, making those little adjustments. And then the big thing is, Trent back, Debo back. Sometimes you don't have to overthink it. You know, Purdy looks like a totally different guy. You know, he just looks like a totally different guy. Um, and he was great against pressure last week. He is going to get blitz, but he's very good against the blitz. Um, I think the Niners feel great about this matchup. They can play light boxes, stop the run, rush four. Um, Tampa's got a good group up front, but can they block these guys all game? And the Bucks, their only sh- shot at, a, at an upset is going to be stopping the run like stopping the run, like full stop. Like, hey, all of a sudden you're looking up and McCaffrey, what's going on? Um, because that leads to them breaking down the other phases of their game. Um, that's gonna be your only shot. Cause Blitz and Purdy hasn't worked out well. Um, you gotta take away the middle of the field. You are a good tackling team. You know, it's a bit of a yactery out there at uh, Levi's Stadium. Can you just tackle these guys, give yourself an opportunity to keep going? Giants got Washington 14 to 7 a few weeks ago. They're now nine and a half point dogs. Mm. Dable 0 7 
against the Cowboys and Eagles over the past two seasons with losses of 26, 6, 31, 40, and 32 points. But this isn't the Cowboys or the Eagles. This is the commies. It's Tommy DeVito. Giants in the running for the number one pick. Yeah. It's it's classic icky, but with a lot of storylines. Yeah, no question. The first game, Sam Howell didn't play well. Like That was his big blemish so far. I mean, he goes to Philly. He plays great there. He plays Philly great again. Um, he's had these games where he's played really well down the stretch, Seattle last week, but Giants, not his best game. And that's because, you know, if you heat him up and you commit to it, uh, Wink was, you know, the horniest version of himself mm. that game. I mean, he just could not lay off the blitz button. Six sacks, threw a pick, um, low scoring game. I like the under here. Giants can't move the ball. Giants can't run the ball. Um, they can't take advantage of the one area of the field that maybe they think they have an advantage um, because boxes are going to be loaded and people don't respect Tommy DeVito's ability to beat you downfield. So this line is moving. Uh, we I don't know if it was a we thing, but you know I like both of those division dogs, double digits. I bet the, uh, the, the Bears with Justin Fields coming back, we'll talk about that in a second. That line has moved down a bit, so I feel like I'm in a good, good spot on that. Same thing with, with, with Washington. If you can catch Washington moving down, and Washington's at like eight and a half or something like that now. I don't know, time of tape. Nine right now. Nine right now. If there's a push to eight, you know, if you want to tease Washington with somebody, maybe, but I'd be more apt to bet the under. Um, and I wouldn't be afraid of what Washington's offenses look like at times because this is his Achilles heel. Another one you might have liked better on Tuesday than today. Jags are up to a seven-point favorite over the titans jags are at home six and three titans are three and six trevor lawrence sacked five times last week intercepted twice lost a fumble the 18th of his career that's seven more than any other player since 2021 so i i love the jags here i really do i tease them with the ravens i think that's that's a quality move to get a nice teaser in on thursday you know you, you feel like you want to bet going to the weekend it's like okay jacksonville's just got to win because they're in that seven spot uh, where you can kind of Wong method, tease them down to, to a pick them. For people that don't know what I'm talking about, what I mean is I think the Jags win this game. You can cross zero with uh, Baltimore. Eh? You can cross zero with Baltimore. Um, but, like, listen, Vrabel, this is the most interesting thing I saw all week, was Vrabel in, a, in like, his, his team uh, podcast where he's, like, Vrabel breaking down tape. These coaches all have these now, even Bill. Bill's in there, like, teaching the game and shit. It's actually a pretty good little watch if you ever watch the Patriots content there. But Vrabel doing his radio show, really emotional about Ryan Tannehill. He almost had to stop talking. He obviously loves this guy. And, you know, like, I, I talked about at length what he's done for this franchise over a course of a few years. Definitely a limited talent, but he, he, was, uh, he was a big part of what they did. And so having to make that move was tough for him. Then I saw a report come out which we found out was fake, that which is an ex exceedingly tough thing to to decipher nowadays with the new Twitter. Dumb time to thing. be alive. It's a weird time. Um, I've gotten faked a couple times this year, and people are like, "You're believing these assholes? You're supposed to be running a podcast." I'm Idiot. like, "You are the assholes. Like, like you could fool me if you wanted. Uh, you know, it's if you have blue check now, you can get people jumping out of the gym. But there was a fake report that Tannehill." Um, was asking for a release, and maybe he should. I mean, you know, like, because I do think some teams could use a veteran quarterback right now trying to make a push. We'll see if, like, they get down the line a little bit here and they do release him at some point. 
because I think that would be a really nice thing to do for a guy like that, especially if there's a team like the Jets that might say, hey, we could use you, we'll take you. Um, the one thing you have going for you, uh, if you are the, the, the Titans, is the Jags pass rush doesn't really scare anybody outside Josh Allen. Um, maybe you can hold up there. Levis got blitzed a ton against the Bucks. Bowles was on his ass. 57% um, blitz rate, 19 for 39. So not an accurate day at the office for Levis. Jags are gonna do that a little bit less, but the key is on the other side of the ball, I think Lawrence just shreds the Titans. Um, and this is a respite for him in a game where even though they have some pass rush, uh, the back end, there's gonna be some real opportunities. Last two meetings, and this is a different Titan team, 580, four touchdowns, zero picks for Trevor Lawrence. The interesting thing about Trevor Lawrence is Trevor gets the ball out. I mean, he just, he just, I mean, it's like two and a half seconds time to throw according to pro football focus, but I saw some figures for time to pressure, uh, 2.1. You know, a lot of times he's getting the ball out just in over two seconds. So this is a quick game offense. So like, if you look back the last couple of years, 2020, Ben Roethlisberger, you remember how quickly they get the ball out and how little they would they would take chances? Like, that's kind of this offense right now. They're like bottom of the league in, in routes going more than 20 yards. So this is like a short game offense with no run game right now. And they're not great on third down. I think this is the week you should try to get some shots out up. You should try to push the ball down the field. You need to rep this stuff because this version of the Jags, while they could stack up a lot of wins, I don't feel good about them making a playoff run because of some of the situational football. But also you have the highest paid wide receiver room in the league and you barely fucking air it out. You know, you might throw the ball 40 times a game, but you know, the air yards are minimal. Yeah. Cheeks. Bears have a quarter of the bets, but three quarters of the money. That's why it's gone from double digits ish to seven and a half points. Boy, do I hope I'm right. I feel good about this one. Gave it out in the locks. Bears uh, catching 10 at the time. I didn't care really who played, but I thought maybe Justin Fields would, would change the line, and he did. He's coming back. Uh, he's been sitting there for a month. You gotta put yourself in his position. I don't think he's a guy that's complacent. I don't think he's a guy that's just like, oh, I'm a high pick, I'm here. But getting to feel what the other side of that thing is, when you're a high pick and your backup comes in the game, the backup can do no wrong. It's like the Mike White, Zach Wilson thing. Same team, but people got Mike White on the t-shirt. Uh, Bajant, same thing, net net result, same thing. You know, you beat up on a couple bad teams, um, but ultimately, whether it's New Orleans or you know any number of these games, he's making mistakes, and he doesn't have that top-end talent that makes Justin Fields so tantalizing. So if I'm Justin Fields, I'm like, I'm taking a little personal. You know, I'm watching my teammates dap up Bajan, be all hype with him in the locker room after the game. I'm happy for the guy. He's probably my boy, but I'm taking a little personal. I want to come back and be like, this is why you drafted me, and this is why I'm the franchise guy. And even if the Bears haven't made up their minds, Justin Fields is auditioning for 31 other teams because I think there's something in there that's worth going to get. And also I think what makes this interesting is Eberflus may not be there next year. What do they want to do? What do the McCaskies want to do? What does Ryan Poles want to do? What does Ian Yates Cunningham want to do? It doesn't matter at the end of the day if Eberflus goes Lovey Smith towards the end of the season here and they start winning games. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to win this game, but I do think Detroit's in for a bit of a fight. They kind of got shredded defensively last week. They're going to come out hot, trying to fucking shut this offense down. The run game, a bit of an issue. This is a better rushing attack. 
than they actually had to stop last last week. The, the Bears actually run the ball pretty well. They actually stopped the run pretty well on defense. So the lines moved down a little bit. Can Goff dice them up? That's the question. Um, we'll see. Cowboys are favored by 10.5 in Carolina. CeeDee Lamb, 10 for 150. Three straight games. That's a record in the Super Bowl era. A lot of people say he's not a like a true number one. I think he's a number one. I, I've always really liked the guy. I think he fits what they do well. I, I really like CD. Uh, he's had a great run. Dak, man, you just have to avoid those turnovers. You have to avoid that one pick you throw last week where it's like, yeah, it's the Giants. You're playing with house money. You're up like three touchdowns. But it's the same thing this week against a little bit better of a defense. Like Carolina can play a little bit. Burns is back up maybe. Um, we'll see. Um, but the point is, I respect the D.C. in Carolina. I respect a lot of the guys on defense in Carolina, what they've been able to do. They haven't had the short end of the stick, bad situational football, playing with that offense, bad complimentary football. So if you can take the ball away once or twice, create a short field, I could see this game maybe being 23-13 or something, worst case scenario for the Cowboys or tighter. I know you gave out the Panthers, but earlier today we were like, we could also see, and we were all like at once, 30-3. to mm-hmm. You know, because Bryce, they can't protect, they can't run the ball. This could be a game that gets out of hand for them, and Dallas loves these games. And I mean, it's not in Dallas, it's not in Jerry's world, but they are front runners. Um, and the funniest thing this whole week tells you where they are in Carolina. And it is kind of a mess there, it sounds like. But Frank Reich, you know, taken back. You can't take back the play calling. You give, give it out three weeks ago, and you're like, oh, I want it back. No give backs. No give backs, man. I, I don't know what's going on there. So chaos in Carolina. Dallas is trying to dominate another bad football team. I think they probably do. You gave out the Panthers. Sleepy. Dallas has Washington at home on Thanksgiving. A short four days later. Not quite a division, well, a division sandwich. Yeah. You know, which is something that the Sharps will tell you to look out for. Di- division sandwich. Bad back back, he taught me that. I'm a sharp. You know, you got to watch out. And now this is a guy that, that I'm really psyched about. We just talked about the Texans. We Hey, I told you straight out, I think it's going to be a challenge this week. I think Sheldon Rankins would probably agree. Um, we don't talk about that so much. We talk a lot about this Houston Texans football team, that D-line, C.J. Stroud, and the game that he played last week because – if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud, everybody's talking about Sheldon Rankins this week. I mean, he was fucking sensational. There's a few guys that when they perform at a high level and I get to watch their tape, it gets me excited in a different way. It makes me feel like I want to suit up. You know what I mean? He had one of those performances, and I love that D-line. Love Sheldon Rankins. Here's Sheldon. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm on my Game Time app right now. I'm looking at Virginia Tech tickets. You know, maybe we'll win one of those at some point. And we did it with Bryce Perkins. Anyways, I keep scrolling on the app. I'm going to get tickets to the Commonwealth Cup. Game time makes it easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, even last-minute deals. I know because I always wait till the last minute. You can preview the views from all your seats in the venue and game time's lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, protects my tickets. That's what I need. 
Game Time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big-time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT. G R E E N L I G H T. That's the code for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Game day is the perfect pizza day. So make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, to have your NFL game day covered. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It's a Pizza Pizza win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, order your Little Caesars, and enjoy during the games. All right, just the guy. I mean, everybody's paying attention to C.J. Stroud. They should. The guy's unbelievable. But if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud, Sunday was the Sheldon Rankins game to me. I'll never forget the way he played Sunday in a big spot for the Texans. And now he's joining our show. Sheldon, what's going on, man? Man, not much. You know you, you know the grind of the week. Uh, just finished uh, just finished a day of practice and a little break between, you know, grab some lunch and, you know, get some treatment, stuff like that, and then get ready for these meetings and, and watch the film. But you, you, know, you know how the week goes. You being a vet, man, um, I felt like that was a big win that not only like, hey, you beat the Bengals, the whole thing, but I feel like your team's growing up and you've been on some good teams actually. First thing I ought to say is tip my cap to you. You beat me in my last game in, as a pro down in New Orleans in the yeah. playoffs, the Eagles, oh, Saints. Really, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. yeah, and you, you, you've been on these teams, man. You've you've seen what it's what you need to be to make noise late in the season. Do you feel like this was kind of a crossroads for you guys? Yeah. So I think. Uh... Uh, I think, you know, just being around the teams I've been around and, and the players I've been around and coaches, you understand. Uh, and I've said this to the guys before, like, y- you can just feel when when something feels different, you know, where, where, you know, just throughout the locker room, throughout everything that's going on. So being able to go into Cincy um, and understand it, I mean, they were playing great ball. You know, Joe Burrow had finally found his groove and and they were starting to look like, you know, that Cincy that's, you know, knocking on, you know, Super Bowl doors. Uh, But, you know, for us to go in there and and play the way we played, um, like you said, it's almost like, you know, being the guy who's been around. But, you know, you can explain some things to young guys and you hope they get it. You hope they understand it. But, you know, you never know till they're in that moment. And then, you know, to watch all that unfold and watch everybody like, you know, uh, seize the opportunity, you know, because that that easily could have been a game where 
Um, you know, especially down the stretch where, where since he was able to make some plays, uh, that 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 could have slipped slipped away from us. You know, to watch to watch those young guys uh, alongside myself just just stand tall and, and not bat an eye, and uh, and really play great, uh, winning complimentary football. It was great to see. It's great to be a part of. And road wins were my favorite. You know, absolutely. Just shutting that thing down. Only thing you can hear is each other celebrating after the game, right? 100%. You coming over to the sideline, the fans on the front row saying all kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah, like you you relish those moments. Because, again, it's just you and your teammates. It's just y'all. It's There's nobody else to turn to. Like, it's just y'all. So, you know, when you're going out there, you're making plays, and you come back over to the sideline, and, and, and those fans are upset and, and saying all type of stuff. Like, you just relish in those moments. There's, there's no feeling like that. So I just wanted to ask you about what makes these rookies you got. Because the CJ, obviously, whether it's throwing the pick late and then just not batting an eye, as you put it, coming back, or getting that drop on that two-minute, the two-minute drive, you're like about to be at the 50-yard line. You get a drop, uncharacteristic from the young guy. And he doesn't blink, not just him, but Tank Dell taking that shot over the middle, man. Uh, he got lit up. And I was like, well, that might be it for him today. And, and he made huge plays down the stretch especially on the offensive side of the ball, what's it like seeing those young guys grow up fast? Yeah, it's it's fun to watch because, you know, when, when you first get around them, you know, OTAs and, and training camp, uh, you see the potential, yeah. you know, but obviously um, th- there's always a, a, a different level of ball when it comes to real games, live bullets, and, and everything's on the line. So uh, to watch them from week one to where they are now, I mean the the evolution has been crazy. You know, I think uh they don't they don't look at it as 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 something that oh, we've got time, we'll figure it out. I mean, for them it's right here and right now. And I think uh it 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 takes a, a different type of guy to to have that approach, to have that mindset and not only have that mindset but then to go out and execute at that level. Uh, down in, down out, uh, make plays consistently and uh, and understand what comes with that. You know, understand that, you know, w- when you're making those plays, when you're when you're doing that time and time again, you're putting that target on your back. Now guys are game planning for you. Now guys are, are paying more attention to you. But, you know, uh, and and for young guys, you know, that can be tough for them to handle sometimes. You know, the success, you know, how do you 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 handle that? Do you uh you know, allow your success to cripple you and, and, and ride that high? Or do you go back into the lab and continue to find ways to get better, to to make more plays, to, to be that guy for your team? And these guys, I mean, it's, it's every week they're, they're, they're doing something extraordinary and, and, and it just keeps growing. Their confidence keeps growing. And uh, it's, it's, it's special to be a part of because you know they're only really scratching the surface. Yeah, man. And, and you personally, I, you don't seem like a guy who likes to toot your own horn, but you know, when I posted, I, I tweeted something this week. I don't think you're on Twitter, but I said this is Sheldon Rankin's game film in a in a in a GIF, and I threw up a Stone Cold Steve Austin GIF, and I see your T-shirt, bro. So we, <laughs> I got you, I got you pegged, man. But I, I was, I said, man, he just opened a can of whoop ass on those guys. It was, it was everything. It was from you know, penetrating the A when there's no space in there, and you're just. You're just flying up the field to the bull jerk on Kappa to the spins to, I even think you guys are so good up front because you seem so unselfish, you know, in the red zone on that draw play. Nobody's running up the field. Everybody's doing their job. 
-hmm. How fun is it to play with this group right now? And to you, was this your best game of all time, bro? Yeah, so I'll start with that. Yeah, definitely my best game of all time. Um, three sacks. I haven't had three sacks in a game since high school, uh, my junior year of high school. So, um, yeah, it, it was fun to do that. I think, uh, you know, I missed a couple games uh, with the injury and then being able to come back. And, you know, I think that first drive, I just felt real rusty. I'm like, man, you know, it's okay, just don't get to, you know, just understand you know, football, just continue to play, find your rhythm, all that. And it was like two drives later, I was like, oh, I found it. Mm -hmm. I, I found it. And then uh, I remember it, we're probably somewhere in the third quarter, and I just remember thinking, I'm like, they're really going to block me one-on-one -on -one all day. Like, they're really not going to. Like, and I, and I think at one point I asked the center, I was like, y'all not going <laughs> to. <laughs> like y'all not gonna help him? Y'all like, gonna come over here? Like yeah. at all? Like, yeah. and they just kind of laughed at him. Like, have iPads on the sideline? I'm like, I'm that's doing? the la that's the last time I'm gonna ask. I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just making sure. And they didn't. Yeah. And you know, I played Kappa a good bit of my career, so I kind of understood you know his sets and everything that's gonna kind of get him. And like for me, it's always and you notice know as a rusher, like it's chess, not checkers. Like it's it's always thinking two or three rushes ahead just to, you know, set this up, set that up, whatever it may be. So for me, you know, once I realize I'm like, y'all really just going to leave me on this island all day. Cool. I'm, I'm really going into the toolbox. I'm really going, I'm really pulling out everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, and it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, I had the, obviously the, you know, the, the bull rushes with the snatches for the sacks. And then I had to spin to, to force the pick. And then, even there was on the last drive, the play before Tyler Boyd uh, caught the long pass, I went stab club on on Kappa, and it didn't it didn't like I got through there and the tackle kind of came back late and pushed me. Joe Burrow ran out, whatever, threw an incomplete pass. But I remember getting down in my stance and I was like, sack ball out win right here. Mm -hmm. Like I just remember the and the rush was clean. It was a clean win. The tackle just kind of came back and pushed me. But I just remember like that's the zone I was in because I'm like, if y'all really gonna leave me one on one all day, like yeah, like it's I'm doing this to this man. Like and, and you can't do because I, I love your spin move. Me and Bo Allen who broke down your film on our YouTube channel, you can check that out. Yeah. You get plenty of good good attention from our from our operation here. But like you got a great spin move, man. You always have. And I think I think when you're not getting that slide and you're being disrespected that way, that's when you can use that thing. Because to me, a spin move was always dangerous because you get cleaned out. 100%. Especially inside. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough inside sometimes. I mean, some centers, they don't slide all the way one way. They kind of play it in the middle. So, I mean, yeah, spinning sometimes, you're blind for about – about a second and a half, you don't know what's what's gonna be there when you come around. But like I said, once I realized like y'all not gonna help him at all, cool. Mm -hmm. Like I knew it was only a matter of time before I I went to the bag and grabbed that one. It was it, it it had to come out. That was a game where it was just perfect, perfect moment, perfect everything. And I uh yeah, I mean you like I said, you know just playing this game. You have those games sometimes where you're like, yeah. I can do whatever I want right now yeah. and it's all going to work. And it's just, and I was flowing that day. Yeah, dude. And I think for you, I, you probably take a lot of pride in this man, not coming off the field. Cause you know, Absolutely. you want to be in on every down. You talked about rhythm. 
You know, I used to, Absolutely. especially late in my career, when I, I had to come off the field on some first and second downs, I was like, man, I talked to Brandon Graham about it recently because he's, he's playing a little mm -hmm. bit less, being older. Yeah. But, like, having that rhythm where you know you got three downs to set things up, you probably take a lot of pride in that. For sure. I think that's like, you know, and it goes back to what I said about, you know, chess, not checkers. Like, it's to be able to have those consecutive plays of just going against a guy over and over and over again, you're able to – to feel how he's, you know, where, where where he's sitting his weight at. Is he leaning more inside? Is he leaning more yeah. outside? Okay, where are his hands at on my body? Okay, cool. Like, you're able to get a feel for all that and then understand, like, okay, I need him to lean a little more this way. I'm going to throw this rush. I know it's probably not going to hit, but I'm going to throw it anyway yep. just to get him leaning for the next one. Now, boom, now I come back and win clean inside. Now we got, boom, sack. Boom, big third down when we get off the field, like stuff like that. So, yeah, the the rhythm aspect definitely goes, you know, hand in hand with just being out there consistently, just being able to have those consecutive plays of like understanding like, yeah, like this guy's got to deal with me all day. We're going to play. It's the long game. It's not I'm not going out there. It's, it's essentially like a pitcher playing a, a, a whole game. You know, I'm 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 going out there feeling it out early. And then w once I really get rolling, I'm like, okay, I got him figured out. Now I can, now I can throw everything I got. I've been studying them all week. This is holding up. This isn't holding up. Okay, great. What is holding up? I know it's gonna beat that. Let me go do it. Yeah. How about we had Will Anderson on the show, and the first thing I said when I turned off the tape was like, man, I wish I was his vet. He just, he just seems like the greatest dude to, to play with, and yeah. where everything that like, all the hype around him, like he's humble. He wants to learn, you can tell. And the thing I like about his game is, and some people look at the sack numbers and say, oh, where is he, this sort of thing. He's a good football player, every down, you know? And, and I wonder if you could speak to what it's been like having him in the room and being able to be a vet for him and him being patient, you know, because that stuff will come. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, me and Will have a, have a great relationship. I think, you know, I, I, I generally only pretty much play on the, on the left side and he does too. So, I mean, we, you know, pretty much we always running games together, all that kind of stuff. And I'm always helping him just with anything he, you know, wants to know or, or just imparting any kind of wisdom on. I mean, he's from the day he's got here, um, first guy in the mean room, notebooks open. He, he wants to learn. He's always asking questions. Uh, he's really hard on himself. He 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 wants to get better. He's not a guy who, oh, I'm the, you know this high draft pick. Like you know, it, it I can do what I want, or you know, like I said, where I got time to figure it out. Like no, for him, it's about imparting, imposing his will on people every day, whether it's practice, whether it's a walkthrough, whatever. Like I mean, there are times we have to slow him down just mm -hmm. because like he's like he's that amped up about winning every rep. And like you said, I mean, yeah, people look at the sack numbers and be like, oh, well, he isn't like, no, like that stuff takes time. Like mm -hmm. it's, people don't get, it's hard to, it's hard to rush in this league and get sacks. Like yeah. it's, it's one thing to beat somebody, but then like quarterbacks are moving all around now. Like it's, like it's a whole different ball game of like trying to get sacks, like in this league. Like it's, there are, there are a lot of good rushers who don't have great sack numbers like that's just kind of that's just kind of the way this league works something everybody can't be you know a 15 sack guy yeah. you know right out the gate you know type type of thing so um you know, i'm always talking to like i said he's hard on himself i'm always telling him like dude like you're disrupting every game exactly you're disrupting pockets like every chance you get like if they 
block you one on one. Like you're winning that. Like I know you don't may not feel like it because oh you didn't walk away with the sack and and for him, you know he's always been elite and great. You know whether you know at Bama he was always the guy who had all the numbers. So for him that's always gone hand in hand. Like, you know, beating somebody and the numbers that come with it have always gone hand in hand. And I have to tell them, I'm like, it's going to come. Yeah. Like, it's it's just the natural progression of being a young player in this league sometimes. Like, it, and I think I was talking to uh, somebody else in the room the other day and we were talking about it. I think the difference between college pass sets and NFL pass sets, whereas college players are they just do what their coaches tell them to do. Like set to this point, this is how we set as an offensive line. Whereas in the NFL, they set for who they have to block. Yeah. Like every offensive tackle is setting, they're setting you different. They're setting Von Miller different. They're setting Will Anderson, like setting Cam Jordan different. Like every, like it changes week to week. So you may watch tape, you may watch eight different games and see eight different sets just because, just because like the individuals they go against. So like, and that's what I'm having to tell him. I'm like, yeah, like it's okay right now because you're a young guy. People have, have seen what you do. So they're setting you a little differently than you've ever been set before. So it just it just takes some time. You got to figure it out, and, and that's what I told him. Like, and once you figure it out, oh, like the floodgates will be open. Oh yeah, like, lights it'll, like it'll yeah, like they it come in bunches. Absolutely. Like, and, and once you figure that out, it's like, oh, that's all I had to do. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Like, and now and now and now you're back to just being you. You're not stressing it. Like, and you understand how to defeat pretty much anything anybody throws at you. And like I said, he'll get there. But I mean, even, even as of right now, I mean, he's. One of the better defensive ends in this league. Like, I mean, first down, second down, third down, doesn't matter when it is. Like, and he plays hard. Like, that's the one thing that, like, will cover up a lot as a young guy. Just understand that, like, man, if you just play with effort, like, run to the ball, like, all that stuff, like, man, you'll you'll make a lot of plays along the way while you figure it out. And then once you really figure it out, I mean, shit, like, the sky's the limit. Time to cash in. And the other guy, speaking of guys who are going to cash in, love – John Grenard. Uh, I know that's your dude. I, I think he was at Louisville with you for a yep. second, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to just what kind of a rusher he is, because I don't think enough people pay attention to him. Yeah, so, yeah, he was uh, he was a freshman my senior year at, at Louisville. And I told him then, like, I mean, he was a skinny kid, like, you know what I'm saying, not hadn't done really – I think he played, you know, like tight end or something in high school. Like he was a skilled guy. Like he didn't really, you know, understand like, you know, just, you know, hand in the dirt type life yet. And I told him, I'm like, nah, you go, you got it. Like you just stick with it. Like you'll, like this is going to make you a ton of money. And then to be back with, back with him now, like I always knew he had the ability, but to watch him put it together this year, uh, it's been special to watch. Like, I mean, he, he, he can pretty much do any move you want, whether it's power, he oh, yeah. can beat you around the edge, he can win inside. I mean, his his arm length is crazy, you know. So I mean I think and then on top of that, his confidence is 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 extremely high. So once that confidence and your ability are at that same level, like yeah, like you're you're seeing it all unfold, you're seeing it happen. I mean, he's like you said, you know, if you know, God willing and he stays healthy the rest of this year, yeah, that 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 bank account's gonna look come. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Bank accounts gonna look crazy. Here's the big mystery to me, man. Like, cause I've been a free agent. You've played some years in this league. You've done a lot of good things, but 
you got a chance and you're making good money this year. So congrats on that. You deserve it. But you had a chance to probably go a few places. And I, I looked up when you signed with uh, the Texans and it was in March, I think. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I signed with Philly, I don't think anybody knew that we were going to make that run in 17. Yeah. And I kind of had a feeling we were going to be better than people thought. Yeah. When you signed, you hadn't drafted Stroud yet. Right. You know, D'Amico's a new guy. Um, what did you see? Because you guys brought in a lot of good veteran players. Yeah, so I think for me, um, it was two things, really. You know, I, I understood um, the situation down here. I understood the, the, the picks they had. I understood they were in a position to – Get a quarterback. I knew I, I knew that was going to be the case. You know, just just seeing where they picked at, and I didn't and I didn't anticipate the Will Anderson part of it till later. Uh, but um, I knew they would get a quarterback, and, and I and I assumed at the time it would have been CJ, and I was all on board. Like I I thought he was a thought he was that dude at, at Ohio State. So um, that and then. Uh, this defense, I've, I've played in this defense. This is my third year in this in this defense. Right. I, uh, I was, I play, yeah, yeah. I played in it with the, with the Jets under Sala, uh, and I love it. And I think coming here, my last two years, I, I didn't uh, because of our, you know, ex, uh, a lot of talent we had up with the Jets. I didn't get to rush as much as I wanted to, uh, and I knew coming here, I had an opportunity to be a complete three down guy again yeah and like and for me you know you understand like you get that you get to that point in your career where you understand like and you play long enough to know like in this league like if you are if you do something for so long and do just that like this league will put you in a box yeah and they will label you as that. And, you know, so for like the past few years, like, you know, my first year with the Jets, I was, you know, I was a rotational guy, I played some third down. And last year I was pretty much a first, second down only guy. Like, so I knew I, I'm at that point in my career where I still have really good years left. So I have to make the most of those and understand, like I have to put myself in a position to still prove to people that I am a three down guy who can dominate running pass. Uh, so, you know, that played a part in my decision to come here. And, and, you know, when I got here, like I said, and I already knew Grenard, that was my guy, uh, Malik Collins, who's our other D tackle. Like I've, I've always watched him from afar, uh, really good player, really good rusher inside as well. And then, like I said, then once we got Will, I was like, oh, this can be really special. Like I said, we drafted CJ. I knew, okay, like, you know, I understand young, you know, young quarterbacks, you never know how quick they, you know, the maturation process happens. I mean, obviously with him, it's, you know, he's, you know, light years he's ahead. 30 years of, old. Out oh, there. Yeah, where, where, where anybody, you know, could have imagined. And then, you know, seeing the, the, the talent they placed around him, our offensive line, I mean, it was – it, it, it was all starting to match up and, 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 you know, become what in my head, what I, what I envisioned for myself, what I envisioned for this team and, and to watch it all play out. Um, whether it's been, like I said, how well CJ's played, how well Will's played, everybody else has been playing. And then, like I said, to get myself back in there and to, you know, to, to continue playing like I did last week. I mean, it's, it's all coming together in my head, and in reality. Uh, so um, it's been special to be a part of this. Like I said, I don't know if I could have drawn it up like this in March, but 
Um, I'm definitely glad it's all come together like this, for sure. Last question is a quick one. You guys are going to have one of the biggest games and probably the buzz-wise. I mean, you've had J.J. Watt coming back. Like, dudes are coming back. The atmosphere is huge. The history is being celebrated, even if it's only been 20-something years, uh, the Houston Texans. But you guys are in all blue this week. I'm a major uniform guy, especially when I played. I was like, I don't want to be out there looking shitty. What's your favorite combination of, uh, of the Houston uniforms? Do you like the red lid? Do you like the whites? Do you like the, the all blue? What, what, what makes you feel good? So I, I, I love the red helmets. I love the red helmets. Those are, those are smooth. I, I do like the red jerseys too, you know, Louisville guy. So the yeah. red, you know, that's, that's, that's my thing. But, uh, the, the, the blue on blue we're wearing this week, that's cold. Pretty that's cold-blooded. That's cold-blooded. Yeah, yeah. But if I have to go with anything, I'm always a white-on-white guy. Uh, me too, dude, because it makes always, you look faster. Yeah, yeah. always a white-on-white guy. I wear white, I wear white like cleats. I wear white cleats all the yeah. time. Like, yeah, like white-on-white. Like, there's nothing. Like, watching tape and watching me cook a guy when I got white-on-white. White. Oh, man, there's nothing like Dude, that. Dude, I ate enough fines wearing high white socks during my career to put my kids through college, bro. we go up to Seattle at night, I'd be like, fuck it. I know. Yeah, me, But we look sweet out here in the light. Yeah, bro. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm. listen, I'm all... I'm already a big guy. I'm all like, nah, like, let me let me at least be swaggy out here. And that oh, yeah, white man. on white is is everything. Like I said, I go and I'm a white cleat guy too. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. It's tough, dude. perfect day. Oh. Well, you look great out there. You're playing great out there, man. I'm really glad we can get you on. I, seriously, I had as much fun watching you rush last week as I've had watching anybody play this year. So keep it up and tell Will we see him over here. We see him. We For haven't sure. forgotten him. Keep keep uh, pounding the rock. That rock will break eventually for him. Absolutely. I got you, man. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah! You the tone guy, I'm kidding. I'm gonna fight you with my friend.